Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. And today, our guest, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, is my father. Um, this uh, this is the background on how this came to pass. I truly never thought about having my dad as a guest. Few people asked about it. I said, Dad, no, I'm not. That's not, you know, that's, I appreciate that. That's flattering. But um, it's not something that I'd want to do. I think we'd probably both wind up weeping and, um, you know, I just don't really want to do it. And just kind of immediately just kind of dismissed it. And people are just like, whatever. And then it kept coming up. And then I kept saying, well, we both wind up weeping and I don't really want to do that. And then a few people said, you know, um, I wish I could hear my dad's voice. I wish I would have interviewed my dad. I wish I would have interviewed my mom. I wish I would have audio of my grandmother or grandfather telling their story. And that, that line of thought is what led to this interview today. Um, I certainly want to hear my dad's story. And so he obviously tells it in this podcast, but I felt a responsibility really um, to have my son who is two and my brother's daughters um, who are all under the age of eight this moment and um, my brother Kevin's son who will be turning two shortly all be able to hear his story as well and potentially their children. So once it was presented that way and it was presented, that's the thing about debating, so to speak. And this wasn't really a debate, but if you just lay out your point and you don't like start getting personal or whatever with, with insults and not that there would be any reason for there to be insults on this, but the person, the people were presenting it in a very, well, think about it this way. And then I think about it from that and it changes my mind. And here we are. And so what that, that, that led to, was a discussion on questions from the audience. I shouldn't say a discussion. This was one of the days where I was in my basement. Pete was not with me where I was saying, you know what? I think I'm going to do it for the reasons I just stated. And then as I was just kind of expounding while thinking about it, I thought to myself, how great would it be if for all the podcasting I do, I'm driving around and I can play an interview with my grandfather or my grandmother or you know, what if I did an interview with 
my mom, mom and dad and wife after we went to game seven of the 2011 World Series. You know, all of these different things that you can do and then catch that and then listen to that and how that will lift you up or how you can play that. Like if my dad went to the 67 World Series, for example, he's 20 years old at the time and he can talk about, I would think that'd be the greatest thing in the world. And so this was, just, we just kind of like, you know, stumbled into this. But then I talked about that on the podcast. And then a couple of people emailed me about being interested in me interviewing their parents or grandparents. And then I've talked about it on the podcast and the fan page. And now it's led to, uh, I've done three interviews with family members that are not going to be made public. Um, and then there's six more scheduled and it's, it's turned into something which is thrilling. And I'm, I find myself, you know, when we have somebody who is um, an athlete or former athlete, a broadcaster, former broadcaster, a politician, former politician, whatever the case might be, who we've had in over the course of the two and a, two years, two, three months of this show, um, I, 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 I'm really not nervous. I don't really think that's necessarily surprising, but I mean it by saying, you know, this is what I, this is what I do. And it's what I've done for 20 years at this point. So maybe it would, would be, I mean, I guess if I like had the president coming in, it might be a different deal, but you know, it's going to be a conversation and you know, if somebody's agreed to come into studio that they know they've set the time aside. If I were like doing this down at Bush stadium, I don't know if I would say I'd be nervous, but it would have some form of anxiety because it's not set up. But in this case, everybody kind of knows what they're here for. And I think at this point, people know what kind of style the, the discussion is going to be. It's going to be conversational. It's not going to be back and forth. But what it tells me um, is that, you know, I, I, it, there isn't a lot of pressure, so to speak. When I have somebody contact me to interview a loved one, I feel a responsibility um, because this person is going to uh, entrust us with helping tell the story of someone they love so much that they are bringing the person in to record their life story and their wisdom. That's that, that is a bigger deal to me. These are bigger deals to me than the normal interviews for which the podcast has, has become known. Um, and so, you know, from the three we've done, we've gotten this immediate feedback from the people who purchased it by saying my grandfather in two cases and father in another case was, was so happy with it. So happy he did it, but then also said it was surprised how comfortable they got, which to me is my, that's my responsibility because that's, what's going to, to get people to tell their stories. And so I really am, I'm really invested in this. Um, again, it's, it's, it's without question. I, I, you know, I never want to like act like it's not, it's without question. It's, it's, it's potentially anyway, it's a business. However, um, there's a, the word I keep using is responsibility. There's a responsibility on this. I have, you know, I have, um, a duty of sorts to make sure that I deliver to the people who want me to do this, a product that is worthy of the person they love's time and story. And, um, it's a different type of uh, feeling than doing the podcast or doing TMA, but it's also, and maybe it's, maybe it's a, bit, a miscalculation, but it's also something that um, is more fulfilling actually, as much as I love doing TMA, as much as I love interviewing, take your pick of the guests we've had on the podcast, because th whereas when take your pick of 
you know, name whomever who's been on the podcast. Um, when they're done with the interview, I would imagine by the time they're driving home that they're not even thinking about it anymore. Um, but when, uh, when somebody comes in here to do this for them, it's, it's something that, um, is a big deal because they're coming into a studio. It's, it's, you know, it's an important interview for their friends and their family. And I've got a responsibility to, to, to help tell their story, get them comfortable and tell their story. So, um, it's become something that, you know, was it was an accident in the sense of how it's how it's been formed, but um, it's it's something that we're now now doing. And if you are interested in it, uh, email me at teamerkernan at insidestl.com. But I, I love doing it. That's the thing. I love doing it because part of it is I, you know, if I'm sitting with somebody who's played a sport or a broadcasting career, served in office, whatever, I have an idea of what their story is, and and I'm just kind of. You know, when they when they stop off at an exit, then I bring them back on to the, the interstate and we, we go down the road until we get to the next exit. But I know where we're going because I know the story, as do many, as do many people in the audience. With these circumstances, uh, with these circumstances, I don't know the story. And so I'm learning as I'm conducting the conversation. So... Uh, and I also just feel a major responsibility to to give the people who have contacted me the best possible product. So that element is in it. And so that brings us to my father. Um, and the reason my father is a guest on the podcast, and people are asking, I guess, I, I guess I didn't really follow up with a why, but uh, is because, uh, you know, it's kind of been a running joke on the radio show that... Uh, that he got me my jobs and he, um, you know, was, owns the station and the parking lots and all that stuff. So it's kind of been a running joke. The truth is my father was the general sales manager at KFNS from 98 through 2004. And I would describe him as mostly retired, but he is a salesman through and through. And for any of you who know salespeople through and through, they never really stop selling. So he enjoys making calls for advertising still even though he hasn't done it full time for a number of years. Um, and for me, I knew there were some elements of his uh, life that certainly shaped his adult life. And I learned some things that I didn't know. And I found that in each one of these interviews I've done so far, by the way, that each person has said, well, I've never said this before. I don't think my children know this. And so I found, I, you know, I mean, it, I, you'll hear it when we're talking about it, where I'm going, that happened? I had no idea that happened. So I think over the course of this interview, you will get a sense as to why my dad um, is so beloved by people in St. Louis in the sales community and the respect he has. You can hear it. You can hear it. Even though he's not in a pitch, you can hear the pitch, so to speak. And, uh, and then also, you know, raising four kids, I'm the oldest of four, um, and some career and life decisions he had some that I've never really talked about with him, but I look back on it and I go, wow, that was, you know, I didn't, you know, now that I'm looking at it from now being, you know, 43, uh, I get a chance to ask about it. Um, so you'll get an idea of my father's, uh, personality. And I thought during the week of the weeks, the holidays, I thought this would be the, the best time to, to share this one. So presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 
Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here is my father, Timothy J. McKernan. All right, Dad, let's dig in. Let's dig in. Welcome into the studio. Yeah, first time I've been here, Tim. I'm kind of excited to be here and be part of this uh, this drama this morning. I'm excited about it. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of drama. So uh, the audience requested you come in, which, uh, and then I've said that I'm going to do this interview, and then a bunch of people said they were really excited to hear it. Uh, you, uh, when I texted you about that, asked if we had run out of guests. Well, I did say that, Tim, because I figured, why does Tim want me to be on this podcast. I'm no. excited to be here, proud to be here. Uh, and, the, and there's one of my favorite things to do is talk about myself. So <laughs> I guess that's where I inherited it from. <laughs> that's, that's how we built the show for 15 years. Absolutely. Um, so I'm probably going to learn some things that I don't know. Okay. Um, but, uh, I know that it all started on September 5th, 1947, um, in South St. Louis. That's the, that's, that's what I absolutely right. know to be Correct. The, the case, the son of Dr. Bernard McKernan and Dorothy Kennedy McKernan. Right. And uh, where were you born? I was born in St. Louis Maternity Hospital. Uh, I was the third of uh, four siblings. My brother, Bern, is the oldest. My sister, Kathleen, is second. I'm number three, and my sister, Maureen, is number four. All right. We, my mom and dad had babies in the 30s. 40s and 50s. Huh. Just like. I guess that makes sense. I'd never thought about that, though. Yeah, yeah. And then just like your mom and I had babies in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Mm. I don't think I'm going to be able to carry that one on. <laughs> I don't really have any interest in doing it either, to be honest with you. So that one will stop uh, yeah. with uh, with you guys. So, um, and I mean, I know that your dad was a dentist. Right. But, um, and I know he went to St. Louis U High. Right. Where I went. You went right. to CBC. Right. But um, what can you tell me about, because your dad, as we'll get to, died when you were 16, correct? I was 16 years old. Um, but what can you tell me about uh, my grandfather, your father? Well, uh, very quiet guy. So it doesn't take after you and I, I guess, Tim. Mm -hmm. But uh, um, very smart man. Uh, was the head oral surgeon for the city of St. Louis. And he did that. So my mom would have some kind of retirement in case he would pass away. Uh, so he had uh, gone to the clinic every morning um, to take care of uh, people that couldn't afford uh, dentistry back in the 50s and 60s. And then he would go to his own private practice at uh, Grand and Arsenal. Uh, and I was just thinking about this the other day, the name of the building that he uh, was uh, uh, his practice was was the TAM building. Oh, was it really? Which is, which is I didn't know very that. interesting. I think I've driven by it. I'm pretty sure. No, it's right by, it, it was torn down probably. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, because I always thought it was just like to the uh, south of like Tower Grove Park, would it be? Uh, it Grand is Park? south of Tower Grove. Okay. Just but that Grand building's Park. been torn down since. Okay. Yes, All subsequently right. torn down. Right. Got it. Um, and so I didn't really know him that well, Tim. The only thing I... Really? I, I you know... Uh, I was a kid growing up. I can tell you this at 16, when you lose your dad, like I did, um, it was, uh, it was hard because it, at that age, as you know, you have a lot of questions in your mind, a lot of things going on with yourself and things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, my dad would have always been there for me. He worked an awful lot. Uh, we, uh, you know, they grew up in the depression. 
both of them. Uh, we were raised differently than people are raised nowadays. Uh, and uh, my dad, one of the things that I remember most about my father is he coached my baseball team in sixth grade. St. Rayfield? At St. Rayfield's. And, uh, and that was one of the things that was the highlight of my life that he, uh, he really? coached my baseball team. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yep. You, you guys started on Thelosan, correct? Start, started on Thelosan. East of Hampton, uh, right, if I'm not east mistaken? East of Hampton. Okay. And uh, then when did you move to Bishop's Place, where your mom Bishop's lived, place. like, almost all of her life after that, right? Uh, my my dad and mom bought a brand-new house on Bishop's Place. Which is, like, what, what like an eighth of a mile away from St. Rayfield? Not far. Uh, and it was built in, in 1950 okay. by a company called Higginbotham. And uh, probably uh, a little bit uh, shorter walk than you had to St. Gabriel yeah. off a TAM. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, it was... Um, I'm blaming Pete for your phone ringing that yeah, way. I can yeah, throw him under the bus. Yeah. That's what a good, so, a anyway, good leader does. Uh, <laughs> right. So anyway, he, um, we, uh, we lived there. I was, uh, I believe, three years old when we moved there. My brother Byrne was in seventh grade at St. Raphael's after he left St. Mary Magdalene. Uh, my sister Kathleen was like in third grade, and uh, and Maureen, uh, my sister Maureen, was uh, born in 1952. Okay. Um, and uh, I remember uh, July 1st, 1964, the day my dad passed away. Uh, I was uh, getting up around 11 o'clock in the morning nice. and uh, he knocked on the door and he said, uh, are you just getting up, Tim? And I said, yeah, dad. And he said, you know, I got this meeting this afternoon. Do you think you could uh, shine my shoes for me? And I guess he knew I was pretty good at that going to a military high school. So uh, I shined his shoes for him and uh, he left that uh, uh, afternoon and uh, never came home. Yeah. Died of a heart attack? Died of a heart attack at a St. Apollonia meeting, uh, which is probably, it was out in West County, not far from where your, where your mom uh, grew up. Uh, and uh, he uh, he complained, complained that he wasn't feeling real good. And at the meeting? He said, other, meeting. What, other dentists? Were there other dentists there? Other dentists oh. there. And, um, and one of the things that was interesting, there was a Catholic priest there too. And so my dad was a big believer, said the rosary every morning on his way to church, I mean, on his way to work, and then subsequently uh, uh, believed in uh, going to First Fridays where you'd always have a, a priest at your side when you passed away. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, you know, it was, um, it was a, uh, a growing up experience for me mm -hmm. when my dad died. I, I knew uh, an interesting point my mom used to say is, I'm out with Lil Musial, who lived up the street from us. Yeah, Stan um, Musial and the Shandings live right by you guys, right? right? Red Shandings was right behind us, Mary Shandings, and Audrey Garagiola lived up the street. And my mom and Audrey Garagiola and Mary Shandings and uh, Lil Musial all were uh, part of um, the Our Lady of the Snows. And they went over to Belleville, Illinois. And my mom, probably about a month later, said, I'm out with Lil, I'm out with Mary, and I'm out with Audrey. And um, a month later, I'm working at a famous bar yeah. uh, because my sister was 12, I was 16, uh, and uh, your life changes. Yeah. And uh, and so I grew up, and uh, and I and from that point on, I was driven. I was driven to be as successful as I could possibly be and work hard. Yeah. What do you remember about that specific 
day, the phone call, finding out the ensuing days? I was walking into the house that night after being out with some of my buddies and the phone rang and I answered the phone like I always did, Dr. McKernan's residence. And, um, uh, you know, uh, my mom goes, who is that, Tim? And I said, hold on a minute, mom. And she goes, oh, I wish your dad was here. One of our neighbors is on the Johnny Carson show. Uh, and it was uh, Joe Garagiola. And she goes, oh, I wish your dad was here. He'd enjoy this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, hold on. And Dr. Burns said, uh, get your mom for me, uh, will you, Tim? And I said, I'm sorry, doctor. I said, uh, hold on a minute. And she go, he goes, no, he said, better than that, get your sister Kathleen. And so Kathleen was a patient of his as an orthodontist, and uh, she came to the phone, and I watched her on the phone with him, and she turned white, real white, uh, ashen-looking, and uh, she said, hey, uh, hung up, and she said, hey, everybody, we have to go uh, get in the car right away. Um, Dad's sick, and we have to meet him out at County Hospital. Well, we had no idea where County Hospital was. We all jumped in the car, uh, stopped a police officer. The whole family, everybody? Everybody was there. Yeah. Uh, my brother, uh, my sisters, my mom, myself, jump in the car. A police officer was at the uh, right by by happenstance right there uh, at uh, Chippewa and uh, Jameson. And we asked him where County Hospital was. And he said, oh, I'll take you there because we said our father was ill. And uh, he said, follow us. And we got to Brentwood Boulevard back in the day. That's where County Hospital was. And he said, I can only go this far. And so we went there, stopped, parked the car, and walked up the steps, and a bunch of dentists were there, and they grabbed all of us and said, your dad passed away. Oh, wow. So they told my Aunt Kathy that, that he was sick. Had he already, did he pass away uh, at the she meeting? She told, uh, he, Dr. Byrne told Aunt Kathy that he had passed away. Oh, he did? On the phone. Said, don't say anything. I want you. To, I didn't so want she to, knew. She knew. That's why she turned white. She, was she, turned, knew, she knew, but she didn't want to tell you guys. Right. Really? I right. never knew that. Yes. First thing that I didn't know. I right. Know. Wow. Okay. Right. Have you ever talked with her about that? I mean, obviously you had yeah, to because absolutely. now you know that. Yeah. And, she, and I asked her, I said, did you know that you, and she said, I knew. And that's why I got so flushed, you know, uh, when I, uh, when I heard. And he told her not to tell you guys? He said it'd be best not to say anything to your mother. Okay. So that yeah. they could tell that they could tell Just her? So we could make it out there, too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the deal, mm. you know. And uh, after— So you didn't know going out there. What were you, what were you thinking going out there? Do you remember? I, mean, I thought he was—I thought he was sick. Yeah, just he was sick. sick. Just sick. Yeah. That maybe he had—my uh, dad used to have to go to get his blood thinned every, every month because uh, he had hardening of the arteries. He was um, 56 years old when he died. Uh, and so he, um, he um, really uh, was not a very healthy guy even when he was born, they said. Uh, when he passed away, they said the, the doctor told us, they did an autopsy on him and said that his body uh, was the age of a, a man in his uh, mid to late 70s. Wow. 
A lot of smoking. A lot right? of smoking and a lot of Budweiser's. Really? Those guys back in the day, uh, I remember going downstairs and all the dentists would be down there having a, a meeting and you could hardly see them. The smoke was so heavy. <laughs> I thought it was like a fog down there. Unbelievable. It really was. Yeah. Um, and so what is it like in the in, ensuing, you know, I mean, you're what, a sophomore or junior at CBC? Going in my uh, senior year. Okay. I was young. Yeah, you were young for your class. Wow. And... Uh, uh, my mom said that uh, she could afford to um, send me to school, but if I wanted a car or anything like that, I'd have to get a job. And so I went to um, United Parcel Service when it was over on Southwest Avenue. UPS. I went, and I, my senior year at CBC, towards the end, I, I needed a job. And so I went and applied uh, physically over there uh, to... Uh, to get a job and um there was a man there i'll never forget his name i'm sure he's passed away by now this is 1965 his name was al smith and they said you need to talk to mr smith so i went over to mr smith i said mr smith i'm tim mckernan i didn't need a job i'm starting school in the fall and i need to uh, work and uh and i heard they were paying like four dollars and 35 cents an hour which was a ton of money back in 1965. And so I went up to him and I said, uh, and he looked at me, he goes, back then, the, the heaviest weight of a package was 50 pounds. And he looked at me, I weighed 115, and he goes, can you lift 50 pounds? I said, yes, sir, I can lift 50 pounds. He said, oh, you, uh, you really feel like you can do this? I said, oh, yes, sir, I can do it. He said, well, I'm, I'm going to be on the shift tomorrow at 11 o'clock at night, and I want you to come in, see me, you'll start and you'll be on from 11 to two. And I said, oh, Mr. Smith, I, I really need more than three hours. And he said, oh, oh, Tim, he said, uh, then personally, you come and see me at two o'clock after you're done and I'll make sure I get you some more time. So uh, 11 to two that night, uh, I went to punch out and I saw Mr. Smith and I hid from Mr. Smith. I was <laughs> a totally exhausted. So. I went to uh, went home that night and uh, I got there about two fifteen two thirty, and um, uh, my mom heard me come in and she turned on the light and she started crying. I was so beat up. I my white T-shirt was black, my tan pants were black. I was beat up and uh, and so. Like I always tell people, I'm not the brightest spoon in the drawer. I could do that for six weeks before I had to join the union. And subsequently, my sister Kathleen was dating a young fellow at St. Louis University that um, was in pre-dental school. And uh, she was working on her master's in uh, dietetics. And uh, he, um, he said, well, my sister's going to Maryville. Uh, if your brother needs a job, I understand there's a job at uh, Channel 11 in the mailroom. And, uh, and she said, uh, it wouldn't be a tough job for him while he's going to school. You know, um, he might be interested in applying. So I went over to Channel 11 and I said, how much are you paying? And they said a dollar an hour. And I said, oh, I said, uh, well, I said, uh, I'm making $4 and 35 cents an hour now. And they said, well, you might want to stay there. I said, I don't think I can. But it was one of those things and re ref uh, reflecting in my life, especially for this little segment we're doing today, uh, Tim, uh, I knew 
I wanted to be part of that. I walked into that television station and I knew I wanted to be part of this. Uh, it just kind of like something there just made me feel like I, I belong there. And uh, I had a great time there. Uh, uh, to so let you're working you know, in the mailroom at 17, is that accurate? I worked in the mailroom at, at Channel 17, 11 at 17. At okay. Channel 11. Well, right. I was going to school. And, uh, you know, uh, it was, um, I did all the mail for the TV station. And then was interesting. I ran over to the Chase Hotel and did all the mail for the Chase Hotel. Oh, I didn't know that. Because Channel 11, I'm sure people listening to this might not be aware, was at the Chase for its inception until, what, like a decade or so ago, 15 years ago. It was, yeah, it was was there. The studios were there. Uh, It was right next door. It was owned by the Coppler family. Thus, you take the vowels out of uh, KPLR TV, and you have KPLR, Coppler. And so, uh, and that became basically my second family. I got to know Mr. Coppler, God rest his soul, Harold Coppler, by picking up his mail. I knew Ted because Ted and I worked together in the promotion department, and Ted was the heir apparent of the television station. And we became pretty good friends. And and I had somewhat, I guess, a pretty outgoing personality even back then. And uh, there was a general manager called Mr. Mike uh, McCormick. He was uh, first... Uh, general manager I worked for was a fellow named Saul Rosenzweig, and he was from New York. And then Mike McCormick came from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I believe, and Mike liked me, and uh, he thought uh, that I could do something in the television business. But at that time, as you guys know, historically, Vietnam was roaring, and uh, and my mom was very concerned that I was going to be drafted out of school and go into the military. And uh, I, Right my, after she had just lost her husband. Yeah. and Yes. Okay. And my dad had just passed away. And she was very concerned about that. And so she was fishing around to find out if there was any opportunities. I was ready to sign. I wanted to get that out of the way and come back to school. Uh, and I wanted that not hanging over my head. And so I, um, I kind of did some fishing around myself and I took the test for the Naval Reserve and I passed that, but that was a year of active duty. Uh, I heard the Air National Guard, uh, was only a four month commitment. And then you go to uh, meetings for the next four, five and a half plus years or, uh, whatever. So, uh, I took the test for the Air National Guard, and uh, uh, it was like taking an ACT test. It was not an easy test. It was three hours. Uh, I, I passed it. A lot of the guys that were ahead of me, and there was plenty of guys ahead of me on the list, didn't want to leave for Thanksgiving or Christmas to go to basic training, which was at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio, Texas. And so I, uh, I said, hey, I'll go. Uh, so I took a leave from school and went to San Antonio, Texas, and did uh, a basic training there for six weeks. And then a lot of guys went, they, they call it tech schools and things like that. I was lucky enough to come back to St. Louis and do my tech school in the supply uh, section of the uh, Air Force out there at Lambert Field. But 
the first week I'm back, I, the first day I'm back, I come back and I meet some guys. I'm over at Bush School playing basketball, and I sprain my ankle really bad, up all night. Uh, had to go down to the Mart building to get an examination. They said, well, you're, you're, you have to stay, uh, you know, you have to come here every other day and have your, your, uh, your ankle wrapped and you're, uh, you're confined to your, uh, your, uh, your quarters, which is my house. So I was blessed. I was very lucky. I was on active duty during the Vietnam War for four months. We were the only tactical fighter wing. I was part of the 131st tactical fighter wing. We were the only tactical fighter wing uh, not activated for Vietnam. Wow. Did you uh, ha- have a lot of friends, excuse me, who were getting drafted? I mean, yes. what, was that, what was that time like? Yes. A lot of guys were being drafted. Uh, and I was early for the lottery. So uh, I was in the school. I could have stayed except that I wanted to get that out of the way. I just didn't want that hanging over my head. Uh, so I had a friend of mine uh, who happens to be the cousin of the uh, former mayor, uh, Danny Slay, who subsequently uh, is now a retired police officer. He took my spot at Channel 11 in, in the mailroom. And uh, he, uh, he did a great job while I was gone so good that they wanted to promote me when I got back. <laughs> they were so happy I was back. And Dan knows. He always says, I made your career for you, Timmy. So anyway. So they promoted you. That's I've always wondered how you went from the mailroom to sales. Is that, is that I, what I happened? Did, you didn't. Uh, you went to mailroom for promotions? from the mailroom to, I heard there was more money in film editing. And you know I'm mechanical illiterate, so that was bad. <laughs> I, I did that for about that. three weeks. Then they put me in the promotion department. Then from there, the traffic department, all the time I'm going to school. Uh, then I got into sales service, which was really good, Tim, because it, it taught me how to do the billing and things like that for all the accounts mm-hmm. that were on the air, not only nationally, but locally. Uh, and we had a national rep that sold things out of Chicago, New York, L.A., Philadelphia. Uh, then uh, after school, I got the opportunity to get involved in sales. And uh, it's an interesting, I won't mention any names because there's still people in St. Louis that are related to these people, but there was an account that handled a bunch of business on KPLR TV. Uh, and uh, it built, that account uh, agency billed a million dollars a year on the TV station. And uh, there was like three or four other salesmen there, but they are all older than me. I was like 21, 22 years old. And they, um, they didn't want this account, and I couldn't believe it. Well, it was a discounted commission. At that time, our draw, we had a penalty draw of $175 a week. Now, $175 a week was pretty darn good money back in that day. And, uh, but you had to cover it with, with your sales. So there was no guarantee. The guarantee was if you if you were there for three months and you didn't cover that draw, you were eliminated. They'd bring somebody else in. So I looked at this account and I'm going, hey, listen, you know, I got a discounted rate, but it's gonna cover my draw. I'll do this thing. They was, this individual, they said, is very, very hard. He's very tough and he's demanding. I said, well, he should be. I guess he's billing a million dollars a year. But they painted this picture of this individual that he was very tough to work with. And so I went out to his office that um, next week to introduce myself to him. And uh, 
I walked in and the receptionist said, uh, there's a Tim McKernan here to see you. And he said, send him back. And uh, I walked back to his office and I admit I was, I was trembling. And uh, he said, uh, who are you? I said, my name's Tim McKernan. And he said, uh, uh, what station are you with? I said, KPLR TV, Channel 11, and he shook his head. And he got up from behind his desk and he came over to me and he said, you know something, Tim, you and I are getting along very, very well. And I said, well, sir, I hope so. I'm going to do a great job for you. I'm going to work so hard for you on anything you need, blah, blah, blah. Well, he said, you know why we're going to get along so well? I said, no, sir. He said, because I can, very few men I can stand face to face with and scream in their face. <laughs> nice. And, and we're off. <laughs> I, hand, I handled his account for over 20 years. Really? And, and he liked to scream. Now, I mean, he... he he fired me off his account several times. He, <laughs> he uh, uh, but uh, after I left Channel 11, uh, he, uh, I'm jumping a little bit ahead of what we are, but uh, the guy turned around one day and invited me out there to talk to him about some accounts. And I'll never forget it. Mom had just had Mara and, uh, and he said, are you okay, uh, Tim, financially? I said, yes, sir. I'm fine. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. He said, well, uh, Hold on a minute. And he turned around and he wrote a check, a big check to me, and said, I want you to take care of yourself and take care of your family. You deserve every dime I'm giving you. And I took the check, and it was a, a good chunk of money, and I tore it up. And I said, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been good to me, too, and I'll do whatever I can and for you to help you. And he said, I want you to come work here. My, my guys are. Oh, I didn't know that. People. I didn't know. I never knew this. And I, uh, I said, I won't, I won't do that. Um, so, so you're, so you're a salesman in, at KPLR. We're now in the mid seventies. Is that accurate? Are we in the early seventies? Uh, early seventies. Early seventies. Mm -hmm. And I gather that, well, it must've gone well because I know how the, the story goes. Um, what, what made you, in your opinion, successful as a salesperson i think tim i think and still you know i do a little bit here for for the radio station i think first of all when i was a sales manager and i had great sales managers uh you always take a little bit from every person you work with a little bit about w what's good about them and the stuff that's not very good with them uh we're an independent at that time we're an independent television station there's no affiliation with the network so it kind of reminded me of selling KPLRT, like uh, selling um, KFNS radio. Um, you have to go out and meet people and talk to people and get them excited about your product. And I did that. I, I really, I think the best thing I can say about anything that I did in my sales go is I think I sell Tim McKernan first. And then the product comes after. Uh, it doesn't seem that way when I'm doing it, but it is uh, the way I, I felt worked for me. And I think it's most importantly when you're involved in sales that you feel something. Not everybody's going to be a Tim McKernan. Not everybody's going to be, uh, you know, uh, another salesperson. You got to feel where you got to make sure what you're doing fits for you and then and capitalize on that 
And I was lucky enough to be at KPLR TV for 26 years. I was the number one salesman there for many, many years. Uh, I loved selling that television station. I loved talking about wrestling at the chase. I loved talking about the John Wayne Theater on Sunday afternoon. I loved talking about roller derby. I loved talking about the Three Stooges. I loved being able to come back with an order for $750,000 for Cardinal Baseball uh, with the Ford dealers. Uh, I love those kinds of ups and downs and, and sideways. And, and I think what I like most about it is the challenge. Uh, when you sold KPLR TV against Channel 5, 4, and 2, which just equals 11, um, you know, you know you sold something. Uh, you know, I've never sold a network. I never sold a big station. I loved, I mean, if I passed away tomorrow, I would say I loved every minute of what I've done. Uh, I've had a great life. Uh, I really, really enjoyed uh, what I did, and I look forward to doing it. Uh, you know, it's a challenge. It's hard. It's not easy. I think the majority of the guys that were in this business, they get burnt out and they leave because it's demanding and it's a challenge every day. And uh, if you're not up for that, getting fired up every morning to go out here and say, listen, I'm going to do this today. I used to tell the guys when I was working here as a sales manager at KFNS, if you're thinking about, if you're looking at that phone saying, I don't know if I want to call that person or not today. I know they're not going to be happy to hear from me. Pick up the phone and make the call. The worst thing they can do is hang up on you. And believe me, I've had plenty hang up on me. But, you know, it, it's, it's, a fun, it's a fun deal. The best feeling a salesman can have is when he signs a deal, shakes the guy's hand or the woman's hand, and thanks them for the business, knowing they got a good deal and you did too. That's perfect. That's what it's all about. The thing that uh, stands out to me is I was talking to uh, Doug in a commercial break today, and I said how uh, we ran into Rich Gould last week, mm -hmm. as we did, and um, and Rich was asking me how my podcast worked and how the advertising worked, and he goes, so you have to, you call the people to get them advertising? And I said, well, I, I said I initially did. I said KFNS now sells the podcast, but uh, inside STL, my company owns the content and it owns the content of the radio show, but the radio station has it licensed out to them to sell. And he goes, oh God, that just makes me cringe to, to the idea of making phone calls to call for my own advertising, which I think is the way most on-air people feel, handful of exceptions. But with you, I felt like you liked that. You enjoyed that. I mean, I would sit down, you know, when we were both at Inside STL and down the hallway, and I'd be like, my God, you must have called 20 people in the last hour, and you're on with each phone call. Whereas I think, you know, God, I mean, for every one person such as yourself, there's probably 10,000 who have zero interest in doing that. I guess part of it's the fear of rejection. The other part of it is how do you even go into the pitch, so to speak. And, and listen, I would hear it. So I heard the, I heard the whole thing. And really oftentimes it wasn't even a pitch. It was just you bullshitting with them, you know, but that's what people loved. Well, I think Tim, I, I think the most, the biggest thing I could offer to anybody is, is this, you don't necessarily have to go out and make calls nowadays with texting and emailing and all that. 
I would suggest if you're selling KPLR TV to this day or, or uh, cable or uh, uh, KFNS radio that you go out and, and shake that person's hand, get to know them. The most important thing I think you should do is get to know their business. Uh, you know, not as well as they know it, but I'll tell you one thing people love to do when you go out and make a call. They love to talk about their business because if you're in a business, you have to be passionate about it in order for it to be successful. And everybody will immediately have a story when you ask that question. Absolutely. And, I'm, and obviously, if they're advertising on your platform, you got to be aware of how their business is going. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I, I remember you telling me that one, and I certainly, I don't know, I don't call it use it as if it's a tactic, but it's just something that's like, yeah, that makes sense. I ought to ask how it is, and I'm legitimately curious because it gives you an idea if our if our sales campaigns are working, you know? Well, I think I think the big thing is that I've been able to do, because I've been around a long time, I've learned from some great, great salespeople, some really good managers. When I came here to KFNS Radio, when our group bought this station. 1997 slash eight. Yes. Uh, and... Um, I would have never done, this station would have never, ever done what we did without the training that I received at KPLR-TV. No doubt in my mind. Uh, I was very skeptical about coming here because for years I sold against radio, against radio. I got, I came in here and I took everything that I learned that worked at KPLR-TV uh, to our sales operation. And what I used to tell the guys and gals that worked here with me is I would say, listen, if you're going to go out and make a big sale today, I don't want to go there. Come back with that order and feel so great about it. That's part of what you want to do. But if you feel like you're going to get kicked out of this place, somebody's going to run you out today and, and just cuss you out for being there, that's the one I want to go with. I want you to win them by yourself and we're going to lose them together. And I really believe that's how, you, how people are successful. Um, there's some people you can interview and you can tell right away if they're going to be winners or not. I used to have a big board, as you know, know, on my wall with everybody's name and what their billing was projected out for three months. We had sales meetings every morning, Timmy, at 730. Yeah. At 731, the door was locked. It wasn't to torment people. It was to let people know that after eight o'clock sometimes, people want you to call then before they open their doors. If you're calling at 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, these people are already there. They don't have time to talk to you. Uh, you know, we had meetings sometimes, our clients at seven o'clock. Uh, we'd go over to yeah. Illinois at seven o'clock and make calls. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I think, uh, uh, like, I, I would say to anybody that gets in this business right now, is it challenging? Absolutely is it challenging. Is it tough? It's hard. There's no doubt about it. And it's even hard selling network television now because everything's so fragmented. But it's so rewarding. And where can you go and, and meet the people that you meet, have fun, have great lunches, and and be successful? Yeah. The uh, 1980s, if I'm not mistaken, you uh, I know there was one at, at KSDK, Channel 5. There's an opportunity. I feel like there was an opportunity 
New Channel, York, Channel Two, Channel Two, Channel Five, Channel Five. Were, were, were there opportunities outside of St. Louis? Yes, yeah. in the late seventies. Um, I was calling on a lot of where, where would uh, I have grown up? Would I have grown up in the Hamptons or something? Uh, I, I would doubt that. Tim. Uh, there was a, uh, a national rep firm that wanted me to go to New York. It was in New York. So it was in New York, in New York mm-hmm. and uh, did sell nationally had no interest in that. And why is that? Um, I, I'm a St. Louis guy. Yep. Uh, I love, I love St. Louis. Uh, I wanted my family to grow up here. Um, I had no interest in going to New York. Um, I wanted to uh, stay in the neighborhood, and I wanted to um, to do what I wanted to do uh, here in St. Louis. Okay. No, no interest in going to New York. All right, All right. fair enough. Travel to New York, travel to Chicago, yeah, travel to L.A. You always bring me back souvenirs. I would always look forward to that. <laughs> right. uh, so you're at KPLR until 1991, correct? 1991. So you have me in 76, Danny in 79, Kevin in 82, Mara uh, what I would assume was a surprise in yes. 1990. Yes. Um, and then you decide to leave KPLR in 1991. Right. So now this is where I start to understand. I don't want to understand, but I, I am aware of details because I lived through them, albeit on the periphery. And I'm in. I'm what I'm a freshman in high school. Um, and you decide to leave KPLR. I don't know. I you know the circumstance or anything you would want to discuss, but sure th- th- to to leave. You know, with four kids, holy shit! And you're only 43, I'm 44? 43. Yeah, I'm forty three. So, what's, so what's, what's going on there? I mean, God, and I think about that. I'm like, my God. I mean, you accomplished a hell of a lot by forty three. Well, I was promoted to oblivion, Timmy. What does uh, that mean? That means I was sent over to right next door to corporate offices. I was hired to make a good living there, handling one account, the one that is a hard, tough account to handle that account. Uh, and, um, and the one you were talking about that you got back in the seventies. Okay. Still wanted me to handle that because it was hard. It was tough and nobody wanted it. (laughs) Uh, and so I, I went in there one day and I'm sitting there like I always got there early in the morning and Ted Coppler, a very dear friend of mine to this day comes walking in and says, Hey Tim, how you in the office? Gil Engler was my, my, uh, neighbor next door. Who's Gil? Uh, Gil was the um, news director at, okay. at KPLR. He was promoted also. Now I think he's still, now he's back with Ted again doing some things for him. Um, but Ted came walking in one day and I'm in my office and he says to me, uh, hey, Tim, how are you doing? And I said, fine, Ted, how are you? And he said, uh, good. He said, how's Missy doing? My, he knew mom because she worked there and that's how I met her was at, at Channel 11. And I said, Ted, come here a minute. And I had him look out onto York Avenue, and there was a guy painting the side of the Chase garage. And I said, Ted, see that painter there? And he said, yeah. And I said, Ted, I said, listen, I said, uh, he's going to be gone in about two months. And he's looking at me like, what What are you talking about? And I said, well, I said, Ted, here. I talked to him the other day when I was at that, on my way down the street. God rest his soul to Culpepper's. And who's now closing. Right. And I used to go there for lunch. And, and I said, I talked to the painter and he's going to be gone in two weeks or two months. I said, Ted, after he's gone, I have nothing to do because all I've been doing is watch him paint. <laughs> and he goes, come on, Timmy. I said, no, Ted. I mean, it, it, it's not where I want to be anymore. I said, listen, uh, as an athlete and you're sitting on the bench and you know guys are out there better than you, uh, you can sit on the bench, but I'm sitting on the bench here and I know I'm better and I should be playing. 
and I know that people wanted me to do this here so you could start a new regime. I totally understand that. But Ted, I think it's time for me. So I guess about two or three weeks later, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and Ted didn't think I was going to leave, but subsequently put together a package for me, a severance package and everything. It was 1991. And, and, uh, the package included a situation where if I went to another radio station or television station, I lost my severance. So he gave me a nice severance for a year. So why wouldn't I stay home and get to know my baby? Nobody cried before when I left the house. Mm -hmm. Now she's crying when I left. And so anyway, um, I, um, I uh, stayed uh, for a couple of weeks, um, didn't know what I was going to do, and handed my resignation, and uh, both of us had tears in our eyes uh, because I really did think that it's 2019. I probably would have been there until 2015. I thought I'd stay 50 years. Wow. I really did. I really, I loved it. I thought I, and I had no aspirations, even being the number two guy there. Uh, of ever running the station. I had no, I knew where I should be, where I could benefit the station. And that was sales. I knew I could do something for that station. Uh, and, 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 and we were the first sales operation back in the day to build a million dollars in a month there. Uh, that was a lot for an independent station. And so anyway, I knew it was time for me to move on. And, and I moved on and I stayed home for a year. That, that, that part... I'm, I mean, I'm, this is this is my own curiosity, though, because I'm sitting there going, okay, you're 43 years old. I assume you'd been used to making a nice living and, you know, had been at a place for a long time, even though you're only 43. You'd been at the place for, what, 28 years, right? Am I, I correct? 26 65? years. 26 years. 26 years, yeah. Uh, and and then you have, you, you have me, and I'm 14, 15. You have Danny, he's 12, 13. And you have Kevin, who's 9. And then Mara's 1. And you're not going to work well i you know uh, i tim i i was always kind of frugal i made a good living i always never knew and this is an amazing thing uh, to live like this as you guys may or may not know but to wake up every morning never knowing what you're going to make never yeah you like that i like the challenge i liked i I wonder if i inherited that and i was married to someone that never ever complained about anything I was talking to your uncle George the other day at um, at the uh, Thanksgiving get together, and I my I mom's said, brother. Just yes, to, I'm sorry. Right? No, I'm just I'm, and, I'm just letting and, the audience and, know and the so, circumstances. And so anyway, I'm 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 sitting there talking to him, and I said, now that I have a daughter, I really kind of admire your father, my father-in-law. After I left Channel Eleven, and and stayed home for a year, not knowing what I was going to do. And then we go into the other chapter of me saying, hey, listen, I bought a laundromat. I knew four quarters made a dollar. I just didn't realize how many quarters it took to make a living. And so here is my father-in-law, a great human being, a great man, never in the five or six years that I ran that laundromat, Never said, hey, by the way, you know, don't you think, you know, with four children, you should be doing something a little differently? No, he never brought that up to me. Just before he died, maybe about six months before he passed away, he did come up to me and say, Tim, you know, 
you might want to think of maybe going back in that advertising business. I thought you were pretty good at that. And I said, you know, maybe George, you never know. Um, sold that laundromat uh, after um, six years. I built it. I built it. Uh, never made a lot of money, but we could exist off of it. I changed the name because your mother said, I think wash and go is not where you want to be. So we took wash and go and made it shamrock dry cleaning and laundry. Why did you get into a laundromat? What, I mean, what was going on there? I, I just assume you're running like running like a sports book out of the back of that. But I just, I just, that's, that's, I, I, I think we're finally because I think the statute of limitations has expired. and We can finally figure out what was going on. Because uh, I look, because I, I look back on, I go, what in the hell for a guy who was like, and still, to this day in 2019, oh my God, he's like the greatest salesperson ever. You know, but I, but and, but I mean, at the time, I'm in high school and you don't know how, and I still don't necessarily know. I know how business works, and you know, f- when you're in high school, 43 seems like oh, you're no, you're 90 years old. But it's 43. I mean, you're kind of at the midpoint. Then to go from being that sales guy to running a laundromat in South County, it's like, what in the hell was going on? So what was what was going on? I was burnt. I was burnt. Burnt out, out really. That's I what was it was. Burnt out. I just I just couldn't get up and do what I was doing anymore. Really? It, it's just hard. Hope you're enjoying this conversation with my dad. Called Tim Senior, but he's not a senior. Uh, just like I'm not a junior, different middle names. It's a whole thing, but, uh, we're in the home loan expert.com studios. If you're going to be buying a home, if you're going to be refinancing home, make sure you do business with Ryan Kelly, man. Ryan Kelly loves my dad. Wow. Does he ever love my dad? Um, anytime I'm around my dad and Ryan texts me and then I say, Hey, I'm sitting here with my dad. Then it turns and then I turn into just like the middleman and exchanging messages between the two of them. Uh, the home loan expert.com can't say enough about Ryan. And it's perfect to be talking about him right now on this podcast because my father is the one who brought him in to be on TMA nearly a decade ago. And as I hear tell the story, my dad, no surprise, was absolutely relentless with the sale, which is kind of the way that it needs to be. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. And now so many of you do business with Ryan. If you haven't, when the time comes to buy a home or refinance, make sure you're going to Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our guest presenting sponsor. He's online at evergreenstl.com. As the year wraps up and people start looking at what to do with their money and their taxes, make sure that you have someone. And that person should be Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Evergreenstl.com. He presents our guests every week here on the Tim McKernan Show. His name is Mark Hanna. He's online at evergreenstl.com. And James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. James wants to thank everyone for their support in 2019 and wants to look forward to a great year in 2020 as more and more listeners get on board with James Carlton, just like I did. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. James is based right in Webster Groves. And for your home, your life, and auto, you know that if you call during business hours, you are going to talk to someone. You're not going to go, oh, no one's there. I'll leave a message. Or I'm going to get sent to some headquarters in some faraway land. No, you're going to talk to somebody right in the St. Louis area. And for the most important things in your life, you are going to be able to talk to them about your home, your life, your auto. It's 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Now, back to my interview with my father. So you're saying you're burnt out. You're burnt out. I was burnt doing out. Doing laundromat for what did you do? Ninety two or three? Uh, to I did ninety two to ninety seven. Okay. Uh, and uh, I did went, you ever? Did you ever? While you're doing that, going, okay, how am I going to pay bills? Never ever go. Never. 
what am I doing with myself? Never. Really? I okay, was I was I was very blessed, like I said before. And I bought that house two two years before. Yeah, I, that's uh, another I thing. I mean I, I bought a big house, you know. Um I always felt, Tim, I needed some time off. Gotta turn that right and, off. Gotta turn that right off. You want me to do that for you? Matt Rocchio from downstairs in the basement. It is. Is <laughs> it? Calling, yeah. Oh. Another, another sale uh, to be made. <laughs> uh, I never, I, I, I never thought that I couldn't do it. I thought, hey, I'll, I want an old. Couldn't do what? I couldn't build it. Oh. To make money. I mean, there's, but there's a ceiling on a laundromat in South County. There's a ceiling mat and a laundromat in Huntley. So you know? I, I, I bought a, I bought a van. Because mm-hmm. I came home after the first four weeks there going, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, the guy that sold it to me said, Tim, you have to at least know how to put on a belt. And I showed him I put a belt on and he's not that kind of belt. Uh, these mechanical things are going to eat you up. Um, and they did uh, because people would come in and they'd abuse these things. And instead of putting in uh, just a pair of trousers, they'd put in 50 pounds and yeah. burn motors up. And really? like yeah. But, you know, uh, it was a learning experience. It was like having a saloon without the booze because every Monday, so-and-so came in. Every Tuesday, so-and-so came in. Every Wednesday, they, they came in every week, the right. same people. Then new people would come in because I'd throw flyers. Right. No, at, I remember doing that for you. I remember yeah. me and uh, at the apartment going, buildings. Yeah, and we would go like run that. flyers around. Yep, bought, a, bought a van, had a lady, um, had a lady uh, drive for me. Um, I had an idea, uh, Fleshman Hilliard. I made a phone call there. And uh, I called a gentleman there and I said, uh, I got an idea about picking up and delivering dry cleaning because everybody hates having their laundry dropped off and picking it up. And I'd like to come down to the agency, big agency downtown and talk to you guys. And so I put on a suit and tie and uh, Mr. Coppler was nice enough to give me a 1991 Lincoln Town car as part of my severance. And I drove down. The fellow said, I'll meet you right in the corner, Tim, and show you where to park. And I pulled up and he goes, excuse me, sir, are you the laundry guy? And I said, I am. And he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> so walked in, made a, a presentation. He got over 100 people to do their dry cleaning and laundry with me. I gave them all a little green bag. And uh, put their names on it, and we picked up and delivered it uh, Fleshman Hilliard, and and I uh, picked up and delivered it um, uh, retirement homes. I had a lady do all this and kept the ladies busy doing the cleaning. I farmed out the um, the um, dry cleaning to a dry cleaners, and I wholesaled that. He wholesaled it back to me, and I I charged uh, a little bit more for the dry cleaning. Uh, I sold it for about 40 grand more than I paid for it. Not successful uh, investment, but it kept me uh, moving for, for a few years. It kept my mind going. And then uh, um, after I sold that, the day after I sold it, the phone rang. That's amazing. And Well, because uh, I know where the story's going, but that's right. amazing that, that that worked out that way. And it was Greg Marisak. Greg Marisek, who was buying KFNS. Buying and he was KF- buying KFNS from whom? Because it was owned by a corporation, was it not? I think it was owned by a corporation at the time. Yeah. Maybe CBS. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
by the way, but it was on Market Street initially, and then you guys moved it to Webster uh, Grove. Originally, it was on Hampton. Well, I'm talking about, but when, we, oh, when yes. I was interning there, it was yes. like on Market Street, right? Yes. Like by where Shakespeare's yes. is now. Yes. Now it's like some urgent care, health insurance, something right. like that. Okay, so you, so I mean, you go from the laundromat, right? To not knowing what I'm going to do. That's still amazing. don't know what I'm going to do. Do you look just real quickly? Do you look back on that five years? You probably will say no, even if you do, just because I know you. But I don't know, and go, yeah, I wasted that. I hmm. wasted that time. No, no, okay. I needed that, Tim. I just needed yeah, it. Yeah, it's amazing. Just that just isn't the way it usually works when you're in your 40s, when you right. have four kids. No. And people were laughing at me. Like, uh, I went to a couple of the, uh, the meetings at uh, Father's Club meetings at St. Louis U High, and these guys would say, What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh, they're like, Oh, he's running a sports book out there. Still. <laughs> you went from television sales to laundromat. I said, Yeah. <laughs> Never bothered me. It, uh, it made me feel like, Hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Uh, uh, you know, but I assume places were interested in you, you know, I mean, there's no way that they're not. Uh, there was only one station, um, that never interviewed me. Channel four, uh, channel four, oh, really? the only one that never called me. I had a That's call interesting from, because when I got my job at channel four, there was the assumption from like the angry sportscasters in town that you got me my job, which is still 20 years no, later. I, I, no, I know that. And I, that, did, I didn't, and I didn't that, know that they never motive, uh, interviewed you. Alan Cohen, who hired me right. with the GM. They're going back never, to like, ever, ever. like 81 or 82. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So Marisette calls you the day after you sell the laundromat. Yeah. I mean, what a total coincidence there. He calls me and says, I heard and you sold buying, your laundromat. And he's buying KFNS. Yeah, I heard you sold the laundromat. Yes, and he, I want you to meet Dude. with Jerry Clinton and myself for lunch tomorrow. Okay. Jerry Clinton was going to be part of the ownership group. Yes. Uh, Gray Eagle. Gray Eagle. Legend legend for many uh, St. Louisans who know guy, that name. Yeah. great guy. Great guy. A lot of people would say he's one of the greatest guys, guys in the last 50 years in St. Louis. Absolutely. And I sat there with Greg, who I had known from working with him and uh, St. Louis University basketball and everything at Channel 11. Never thought that he thought that much of me, but I guess he did. And in retrospect, it was the right move for him and the right move for me. Uh, I became part of the ownership group uh, that owned that station. I had a burning desire at uh, at close to 50 yeah. uh, to put another notch on my belt and hopefully uh, get um, my kids educated uh, and uh, be able to uh, send them to schools they wanted to go to and, and colleges and things like that. And the funny thing is, in retrospect now, I've been very lucky and blessed to be able to uh, say when I needed to make money, in my life, when I needed to make money, I made money. When I didn't need to make money, I didn't make money. It was somebody up there, even when I was interviewing for Greg with, with Greg for that job, and I'm hoping I don't sweat so they'll smell Clorox, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, I've been out of this business for five or six years. I'm gonna ask for X amount of dollars. I'm gonna ask for an expense account. I'm gonna ask for a company car. And I got everything. I got everything that I wanted. And I and I knew that, hey, not ever selling a radio spot, uh, but I knew enough people in St. Louis that I could go and talk to people. One of my dearest friends, as you know, was Dave Sinclair, great friend of mine. The late Dave Sinclair, who passed away in 2009. Thank wow. you, and here's my address. Yes, great guy and a great friend of mine. 
uh, and he he would just he was like a father. He wasn't. He, he? was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Dave knew that too. Yeah. And I would go out there and we would just talk. Uh, and he was a mentor of mine, and um, more like a probably an older brother, or maybe a father figure, um, and a good guy to me, and a very good guy to my family. Uh, and so anyway. Um, it was it was the right move at the right time. Uh, if I had to say, out of all the things that I've done in my life, that was the most successful thing that I did. Was, GSM, uh, was, General Sales Manager at KFNS. Yes. So, I mean, I can, Gangster Pete could look this up right now, what the station was bought for. I'm not asking you to, Pete, by the way, although my point is it's public record. Right. What you guys bought the station for. And, and you, it's not like you were the majority, but you no, had a piece of it. No, uh, Who was in that ownership group? Marisek, Jerry Clinton, Hale Irwin, was he not? Hale Irwin. Um, and, uh, uh, God, who else? I feel like there were a few people that were in that. Uh, yeah. That ownership group, like yeah. athletes or St. Louis business people that, right. uh, that people listening to this would recognize. And you buy it for... Do you remember? I don't know exactly, so I wouldn't want to be quoted okay. on it, Timmy, but, but I have did, a pretty but, good idea. But six years later, so oh. what, what do you think? Go high end $2 million? Is that, is that low? Oh, I think low, uh, lower than okay, that. Okay, so let's call it, we'll just call it one, one and a half? I don't know. Yeah, one the million. point being, the reason I bring it up, because of your work and the work of your sales staff, mm -hmm. and, and I realize, don't get me wrong, I mean, hell, I was working there at the time, right. but I mean, I know what I know what it was. Right. Granted, I was in my teens and 20s, but you know, I can now look back and have an idea. The reason the thing sold in 2004 for $13 million was you and that sales staff. Absolutely. Okay. Well, good for you for not Absolutely. being humble about that one. Because that is the truth. That, no. that is the truth. No, I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, <laughs> that is the truth. I mean, if somebody said, let's have a meeting at 730, which I was there. Uh, no, you were, because I was, I, I, was there, I was there at 7. 10. Yeah, I was there at yeah 7. you might have beaten me, and I had a show at 7. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I would be there. but And the thing is, Tim, as you know, if you're going to lead the troops, you got to lead the troops. And stay you, close to the uh, microphone. Pete's going to start you yelling can't, at you. You can't gonna be say, you cannot say, I'll meet you there. We'll have a meeting at 730, and I come in at 745. That's not how you lead. Right. You lead by example. If I didn't ask anybody to ever do anything that I wouldn't do. Uh, you know, I, I said one day, one of my meetings, I said, why don't we have dirt cheap on the air? And I knew there was a salesman there that handled that account. And I said, I am going to get an appointment with dirt cheap. Who wants to go with me tomorrow? Because he ha you have to be there at six thirty. He is in the guy who made the dirt cheap by had to be. I remember you. I forgot about that. But yeah, you had out to be. In Fenton. He would uh, Fred Tutenberg, right? Fred Tutenberg, who who was uh, the famous voice. Right. Uh, people yeah. would remember him from those spots if they yes. looked him up on YouTube. Be careful out there. <laughs> That's right. Right. And he would do meetings at six thirty. That was the deal. Six thirty. Okay. And we'd be there. Yeah. And I'd be there. And uh, you know when we got bought. Because we were there at six thirty talking about so it. So when I went on in the sales meeting, what they what they say when you asked how come we don't have dirt cheap on the air? Uh, I said I'm going to get them on. I, I'm going to tell you right now. And I said I know who handles the account. If you, I know how to get the the business. Do you want to meet me there, or do you want to meet me at the station tomorrow? And we'll go out at six thirty, or we'll get there at six thirty. And the guy said, Yeah. And I said, Okay. The following morning. I came in and said, guess who's on the air? But these are the things that get people excited. If if I can do this, I used to say, if I can do this, anybody can do this. Right. You don't have to have gone to Harvard or have right. 
Right. Some kind of ridiculous. That's agree exactly to do. right. Yeah. And, it, and it's a and it's a way to make a lot of money. I mean, you a way I, to make a lot of money in media. I mean, it's it's really if somebody were saying I'm interested in getting radio, he said then you ought to get into sales. That's what I would tell them. Get into you know, sales because. Absolutely. You know, for every one on-air person who winds up making a nice living, if you're good at sales, you can make a nice living. Absolutely. You know, and anybody can do it. So I, what, what, what is, I remember Frank Cusimano saying to me, you know, and again, I'm in my early mid-20s, and he goes, boy, your dad's like Bobby Knight back there with those guys. Because mm-hmm. you'd have those sales meetings at 730. Frank would get in early and write his monologue. Mm-hmm. And so I guess he was close to that vault. A lot of things, that, that vault is its own 30 for 30 back there with your sales meetings and Martin <laughs> almost killing Jason Barrett in it. Um, that you would have these meetings and you'd be screaming like, I mean, I remember seeing you have a sales guy up against a wall one morning. Go, oh my, it was like a flashback to my childhood. Like, <laughs> holy shit. But it's one thing, I'm your kid. Like, I don't know if, and not to p- portray that this was what was going on every day, but you got fired up. I no question fired. about it. Do you think that could work in 2019 or do you think they'd go, this guy's crazy may- and p- somebody would go to HR and you'd be removed and called a nut? No, here, I, I think it still works, Timmy, for one reason. These guys all, most of them, every guy that was in that, the the ones that build the record breaker there and all the, all the, the stars were aligned with the Blues doing well and the Cardinals doing well and the, and the Rams in the Super Bowl that year, right. all the the stars were aligned. Could it work again? Yes, now it would. And it's still, and I'll tell you why. They made good money. They right. go, we'll put up with this guy. Right. And if I have a problem, guess what? He's going to be the first guy there to help me. Right. You know? Yes, it would work. Um, so it's kind of Saban-esque in the sense, and I I don't know if you're a fan of him, I mean, a Notre Dame guy, of course, through and through, uh, didn't go there, but Notre Dame guy through and through, that, okay, we put up with it because we know he wins, basically, right. and we're going to make money, so right. we'll put up with it. So, but if you're like some asshole and right. screaming at him and they're not making any money, they'd be like, no. hey, screw this. No. Yeah. And everybody had an opportunity to make money. That's the deal. Yeah. You know, if you weren't, if if there was an account on your list that wasn't on for three months, it's gone. It goes to another guy. Maybe the guy doesn't like Irish guys. They, I understand that. Maybe, you know, I understand. Maybe there's some some reason he goes, this guy is, right, you right, know. Right. So let's try with somebody with another sales right, rep. Right, got it. Right. right. There's always somebody there that I said, listen, you know, I mean, I had some great salespeople. Yeah, you did. All of them. I mean, all a lot, of, and a number of them are in the market, you know, which, and, which speaks and a lot managers to managers and yeah. doing well. So, so this, cause, cause for a lot of people, they'll be like, okay, sales, I don't know. I don't really care. Even though they hear me on the radio talk about the sales force is the most important. Take Doug Vaughn, take me, take the cat, take whomever on the radio station. It doesn't matter. If we don't have a great sales force, we're not winning games. It's like pitching with a baseball team. Absolutely. You have to have great pitching. Otherwise, you're not going to win. Right. And I, I'll take the pitching over the hitting any day of the week. And I and I'm and hell, I'm an on air guy, so I'm a hitter by definition. But what was the station billing when you came in in '97, '98, and and what was it billing? I mean, I, I know the high point was the four million in yeah. a year, which uh, which some FMs around here right now in 2019 would take. By the way, not not by any means all. Right. I mean, some of them are right, right, know, right, that, right, that, that's, right. That's a, that's a small number to some of the, the big ones. I think ones. it was a little bit over a million. Okay, when we so, so you forexed it. Yeah, and, and uh, but th- again, it, it had to do with the formula. And the formula is, it starts with getting the right players on the team. Uh, you know, you can have uh, a great coach. If you don't have the guys that want to take the field, right. 
you know, I mean, I hired all former athletes and I would motivate them by saying, did you ever take the ice? Did you ever take the court? Did you ever take the field and say, hey, listen, we're going to get beat today. I don't care. No, we don't do it that way here. Nobody takes the field to lose. Everybody takes the field if you're a good athlete and have aspirations of being better to win. And that's sales. Sales is a constant game uh, to be successful. And that's what motivated me. You know, hey, listen, if somebody said, hey, Tim, you got a chance to do this tomorrow uh, and they're going to be up and they're going to be fired up, I'm there. Because it's a, it's, it's a game, but it's a game of life. If you don't, if you don't, want to be aggressive and tough and strong and hard, then you shouldn't get in it. If you don't want your name on the top of that board to be the number one salesperson, don't get in it. If you don't have the pride or the ego to do this and make sure that you're better than anybody else on this sales force, don't get in it. It's a waste of your time. and a waste. You go someplace and wait for somebody to call you. This isn't where you want to be. Yeah. So in 2004, a group from Atlanta, Big League Broadcasting, mm -hmm. right, comes in and buys the station. Uh, I have always said, because people go, yeah, what happened with those guys from Atlanta? And I, I guess I'm biased in some sense, but I feel like I even answer this now knowing I'm more right than I would say it 12 years ago or so. Um, because now I've been on the other side of operating a station and having a greater appreciation for sales than I did while I, when I was starting out at KFNS in 2002. And their biggest mistake was not keeping you. It had nothing to do with me, even though I guess the morning grind, leaving and going to 1380, I'm sure publicly people would say all oh, that, because when we went there, they went out of business, essentially. I mean, they wound up selling it for, they bought it for 13 and they sold it for one and a half, two. Yeah, so, I, mean, I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, so that gives you an idea. Uh, and then, you know, I take, I take pride because they treated us poorly that we played a role in putting them out of business. But the reality is that them not keeping you to me is the reason why they failed. Now I'm sure they had some expenses that were ridiculous, which of course is also a factor in the salesperson doesn't necessarily have any, uh, you know, that's not your department per se, unless you're involved on the board and you can influence that. But uh, they didn't. They didn't have the sales force once you left. And that was it. So was that tempting for you to stay? What was the situation? I would have stayed because Tim initially, they I, they sat down with me. I was the first guy after Greg put the deal together that uh, they wanted to meet with, and they wanted me. They said they were going to build the station around you, and they wanted me to be part of that. They were built around what me, Martin, and the cat. Yes. Right. Okay. But, uh, but they said, we want to build, they mentioned your name because they know you're my son. Right. And I'm sitting there at the Tenderloin room at the Chase Hotel, old, old stopping grounds for me. And I'm having dinner with them. And, um, and they're telling me what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And, and I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, we really want you to stay. We really do, but we can't afford to pay you what you're making. But you can you can uh, do us some things that we need you to do. I said, fine. You know a lot of people here in St. Louis. Yes, I do. Um, well, Tim, here's what we want you to do. We want you to continue to do what you're doing. We can't pay you what you're making. But we want you to introduce us to everyone you know in St. Louis. The McDonald's franchisees, the 
Dave Sinclair's, the the guys, all the people that you know throughout the years, and and hand off the ball, the baton, uh, for us, and give us a good good recommendation to do business. And I said, guys, let me ask you a question. I said, I was born at night, but not last night. And they're looking at me. What do you mean? I said. I know what happens here after I do all this and help you, I'll probably be gone. But you guys have to understand something. I own part of this radio station. And they said, we know that. And we think we might've made a mistake. I said, I totally understand that. But I said, I have a sales meeting every morning at 7.30. When are you closing on this radio station? They said at nine o'clock Friday. They said at 9.01, I'm leaving. I was gone. Again, strength is independence. Strength is being making a good living and not living on that living. Yeah. Uh, putting some, uh, you and I used to go and Danny, everybody would go to the savings and loan on, on Saturday because I didn't know if I made $20,000 last year, if I was going to make 20000 this year. So I had to save some money in order to exist of thinking if, if Mr. Coppler sold that television station, if, if um, Greg Marisek decided, hey, we're out and we're going to write it off as a loser, I had to always feel like, hey, eventually I have to be independent. And so to this day, um, thank God, I, I can kind of say, hey, listen, if I, if I want to do something, I can do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. But I got that, Tim, almost when I was in my early 40s. Yeah. I was lucky because I saved and I invested and I did what I could do. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, uh, I envy that. I feel like somehow I screwed that up. One of our, uh, one of our sponsors is Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Uh, and I, I don't know what happened because you were so good at that. I think Danny was really good at it. Danny, my brother, who's uh, the second commission, oldest. Commission guy. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I didn't quote unquote figure it out. I don't know if I still got to figure it out until like a couple of years ago. I don't know what the hell happened there. I have no idea. I mean, it was a big miss. So with, with my son, one of the things that I want to make sure I go out of my way to do is to explain the virtue of saving money. You know, I mean, again, it's not like, you know, it's not like I'm whatever, but I mean, I could have been in a better spot. That's, that's the premise. I just didn't know. Just didn't know well, because I was, I was, I wasn't making like ridiculous money, but I was making decent money being a channel four at 23 years old and then doing radio as well. So I had two forms of income and I just screwed that up. So you and Danny specifically, I guess, Kevin, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to everybody's you know, right. tax returns right. here, but my, my point is that's a big thing and it's allowed you some some flexibility, you know, like you see De Niro doing these shitty movies. I'm not talking about the one we love, right, the Irishman, right. but I'm, I'm like something you know, like you flop around with Anne Hathaway on some rom com, and you go, "What in the hell's he doing?" You, you know, you're Don Corleone in, in '72. Right. What are you doing right. with Anne Hathaway? And uh, and it's like, I guess he didn't. I guess he. Well, I mean, he got divorced a bunch of right. times too. I guess, but either way, you got to save your money, and that uh, that's an important. You know, you talk about sales lessons, but managing money and not living like some kind of dipshit is a is an important. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Life lesson here. I wasn't. I wasn't into the show. Um, I wasn't into uh, the general general sales manager at at, uh, at KPLR TV um, saying, "Listen, you're director of sales now. 
you need to get a, a, a house with a pool because you're going to be doing a lot of entertaining and right. you're going to be doing this and that. And you got a nice income now, Tim, with a nice override and, and all kinds of things going on. Uh, I want you to move. And I said to him. He actually said that? Oh, yes. I Holy want you to move. Shit. And I said, okay. We're going to rise up on the south side over that. And I said, and I said, oh, okay. I said, uh, let me ask you a question. Um, I pick my kids up from their neighborhood and I take them out to where you want me to move and all of a sudden sales go down 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 yeah now do I take Tim and Dan and Kevin and Mara and move them back I don't want to do that because nobody's going to say hey Tim by the way we had a bad year you're we're still going to pay you right because I got a big mortgage right you guys will take care of me right yeah no, Tim, that's not the deal. Then I ain't moving. I'm sorry. I feel very comfortable where I, where I am. My neighbors are all guys probably living way below their means, uh, which is fine. Nobody is coming up to me and saying, hey, listen, um, we're getting a new Bentley tomorrow. What are you going to get? I don't need that. <laughs> what I need is to be happy, uh, to have my health, have your mom healthy, my kids doing well, my grandchildren doing well. And like I say to people all the time, if I passed on to the big sales conference in the sky tomorrow, I'm a happy guy. I've had a great life. I really feel blessed. I really, really do. And that, mm -hmm. and I know that sounds carny, but I swear to you, I mean, hey, I'm 72 years old now. I feel good. I can't wait to pick up right after Christmas and go to Hilton Head, South Carolina and enjoy my life with my wife and come back for another grandbaby's birthday. I mean, that's what it's all about. And I, you're, you're, you're gambling. You're, you're throwing the dice that, hey, listen, everything I'm doing when I'm in my 20s and 30s and 40s, I hope I'm 70 to be able to enjoy it. That's where I am in life now. Now you're enjoying this, aren't I'm you? I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I really am. I enjoy the little bit that I do with the radio station. I enjoy that because I need that stimulation still, Tim. I need to go out and talk to people and get excited about what this station can do for you as an advertiser. I love listening to this radio station and listening to the people that I sold still on this station spending money because it works for them. It's not because of Tim McKernan or, or any of the salespeople here. It's because it's working for them. And you cannot sell any product if you don't believe it's the best. Yeah. And I still, I mean, I, I believe KPLR TV is the best because that's how I sold it. I believe KFNS radio is the best because that's the way I sold it. And so, for anybody to make excuses, oh, I don't want to call them. They're not interested. Oh, the signal's not good. Hey, that's all. That's a, Those are excuses. Give me a guy or a gal that's going to go out there and work and be excited about what they're doing, and you'll be successful. Just the way it is. Are you going to get your butt kicked every day doing this thing? Absolutely. It's hard, especially if you make a lot of calls. It's going to be hard. It really is. But... Until I told people this, do not give up until somebody says to you, and I've had them say it, call me one more time, I'm having you arrested. Then give up. <laughs> but until they threaten to have you arrested, keep on calling them. <laughs>
you uh, I would listen to you because you were working with me at Inside STL. And really, one of my favorite stories, and it's it's an important story in the 15-year, I guess almost, that's yeah, 15 and a half years of this show. In 2009, 2010, you're at Inside STL. Um, and, you know, essentially we're just selling the website and those, those girl next door parties. I mean, that's really what we were doing. It was fine. We were making, you know, some money. But uh, I had an offer. I was, we were at 1380 and I had an offer to come and do afternoon drive at KFNS. And it was a nice amount of money. It was 30% increase from what I was making, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but if I went and did afternoons at KFNS, that means me, Doug, and the cat wouldn't be able to work together because they had their TV jobs. And so 1380 knew that I could do this and they were, they were running out of money and they said, we want you to stay, but the only way that we're going to be able to keep you guys is if you sell your own stuff, we can't pay you anymore. So it wouldn't just be me paying myself, be me paying Doug, me paying the cat, me paying producer Joe, perhaps the board operator. I don't remember what the arrangement was. It's been 10 years. And then I have this guaranteed offer. Uh, with a contract from KFNS to do afternoons. And I remember going back and forth, and I remember calling you, because, I mean, here, if, if we're going to do this, now we're going to have to take this on, these expenses. And it was going to more than double our expenses, which means we're going to have to more than double our sales. And I remember calling you about it, because this could have been the end of the morning after. Um, and I said, what would you do if you're in my spot? And you said, Timmy, they're both shitholes. And if I'm going to be in a shithole, I'd rather control my own destiny. So I'd say no to KFNS and build your own thing at 1380. You remember that? Yep. I remember that. Yep. Uh, and so I turned, I remember calling the person who made the offer to me at KFNS. And they were like, this is like the most we've offered. I, I, you're turning this down. I said, yeah, there's no need to even, don't even, no point. Don't even go up, you know, another whatever. It doesn't matter. This is what I'm going to do because I got to keep the group together right. and we're going to take our chances. And right. then sure enough, we made it work. We made it work so quickly. You made it work uh, along with our sales staff that uh, that six months later, if I'm not mistaken, seven months later, KFNS called me and they brought us over. This is 2010 to have the exact same business model we had implemented at 1380. 1380 turns off the lights the next day. No bullshit. John Helmkamp, who's a fine one of the finest people I've worked with in, in media. Uh, the day we, the, our last show, he came in, he hugged me, hugged uh, Doug, hugged the cat. And he goes, well, that's it. And I go, yeah, man, we had gigs. No, that's it for me too. I'm leaving. He goes, you guys are gone. I'm gone. He goes, cause if you guys aren't here, we're done. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then he went on, I think he went to one Oh one. I think how yeah, was one one. Yep. And then he eventually went to uh, iHeart, clear channel slash iHeart. Um, and that's when we went over to, to KFNS where, where we were there until, uh, the, the man and woman thing happened, and there's no need to get into that. I'm sure you have wonderful thoughts on that, but I'll I'll leave that uh, for people to to wonder on. People kind of know the program there. So you're working at Inside STL. You're you're um, you're selling at Inside STL. Was it weird for you to be working? And technically, I'm the one that's in charge, even though I never really felt like I was in charge with my dad selling. Is that a weird deal? No, not really, Tim. Um, it, it, it never bothered me. I mean, I had bosses all my life, you know, um, the one that really didn't have, I didn't really, which one was really a, a good situation, excuse me, situation with me was with Greg Marisak. Greg knew my strengths. He knew his strengths. He let you do your thing. He let us do that sales thing. 
he didn't even feel real comfortable coming into sales meetings when we did these things because he knew the tempo was different. Greg is a good guy. He he uh, he's a smart guy. He built something. He got the right players in the right spot. And to him, hats off to him for doing that. He's a super salesman. He sold the station um, and and sold the sizzle, like I always say, without the steak. Perfect. Um, and I respect uh, Greg for what he's done. I knew my strengths. Every place I've gone, I knew what I could do. Um, I mean, the deal that KFNS put together for me uh, with bonuses, they never thought I'd achieve them. I know that. And every year I achieved them and I got a bonus, a nice bonus every year. But it's interesting because I didn't even look at my contract until the fourth year and say that I surpassed my bonuses three straight years. You guys owe me a bunch of money. <laughs> I never even looked at it because I was having fun. I had guys who were charging the hill with me. I wasn't there by myself. We were winning. It's really rewarding when you're winning. And, and again, you brought up a point, you know, control your own destiny. I think that's really important. I really do. One of the reasons that I'm as independent as I am, Tim, is because I never knew. I never knew who was going to come in. I always had good job opportunities, uh, but it had to be right for me. I Every person that left KPLR-TV and they called me immediately when they bought KDNL Channel 30, uh, Barry Baker, uh, those guys called me and they said, Timmy, come with us. We're going to make a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. I was very loyal to Ted Koppler. I'm still loyal to Ted Koppler. Uh, they helped me when I needed help when I was a kid and I was loyal. Yeah. And, and so everybody that went to uh, Channel 30 that was asked to go there and I was one of the top guys to be asked left as millionaires. I don't look Not back. because of Channel 30, because of the company that Barry built. Right. To be clear. Sinclair Broadcasting. Yeah. But here, here's the deal. I never look back. I look ahead. I, I mean, there's going to be things, as long as I'm alive, that are going to be tough. And there's going to be things that are going to be great. And I think in, the, in every line of business, you have to be optimistic especially in sales. And if you give up, if you get, and I've seen guys are just beat up. They, they take it. They don't take it personally. They take it maybe to the point where I, I'm just too frustrated. This isn't the product I can sell. I got to get out. The reason I did what I did, I think is because I did take it personally. Yeah, you did. I, anybody, I feel like anybody who was buying from you, boy, Timmy, this guy's a good guy. And then it could be like Mother Teresa and she's not buying. <laughs> boy, I'll tell you, I don't know what's that's up funny. with her. She's that's not funny. calling me back. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a, the truth. Yeah, that is. I would <laughs> say to somebody. Oh, he's a good guy. Yeah. Like, Man, that guy's <laughs> right. like crooked as hell. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, right. I don't know what's going no. on with him. But yeah. I'm like, well, he's a good guy. He <laughs> buy it. But if he didn't call you back, that was the deal. I know, right. I know the program. Right. You are, here we are now. And I guess, you know, and what are we talking about? It's 50 plus years since you started selling. And I still hear it as we're sitting here in 2019, you are considered, God, I just heard a, a, a new guy that KFNS hired uh, and I was up at Kirkwood Brewhouse on Friday night and he came up and introduced himself and he's like, oh, your dad. I mean that you are, you know, 
I don't know if you're aware of this. No. Yeah. I'm really I mean, not, that, Jim. That, that, that people, and, and again, this is a small, I mean, right. my, my right. world, it's out that, you right. know, for the handful of people who are aware of it, right. you know, it's, it's out there. Your world, even though I have a greater appreciation for what salespeople do, uh, you know, but in, in that world, you are held in this very nice high to hear. That's you very didn't nice. know that. That's no. I, I've heard people say, Tim, you know, uh, you know, you've done a great job and you had a great career and blah, blah, blah. That makes you feel good. Uh I, I would rather be looked at, truthfully, Timmy, as a guy that worked hard and gave it 150%. Um, I think that's how I was raised, you know, uh, especially— uh, You think that's because your parents went through the Depression? I think a lot of it had to do with that. Uh, you know, I think uh, our our family, my, my brother and my sisters, we all have an awful lot in common the way we were raised, very conservatively. Uh, you know, uh, but I, I, I really think the big thing that I would love for people to say is, Hey, your dad was a good guy. He was an honest man, uh, worked hard and uh, was a good provider when the guys were, were young, you know, and the family was growing. Uh, and, and, and the only thing I can say to people now is, Hey, listen, if you're in sales, uh, you'll know if you're a good salesperson or not. If when you don't get a sale, you get choked up and I get choked up. I still do. I mean, if so, if I'm, I'll never forget. I had lunch with a media buyer one time about an account. And she said to me, Tim, I swear to you, whenever we buy something, you're going to know. I said, that's all I want to know. I don't want to sit in a meeting and somebody say they're on the air. Why don't we have them? I want to know every account that I'm responsible for and, and let let people know what's going on. That's all I ask. And that night, I, it was a Friday. I had lunch with her Friday afternoon, came home. I'll be darned. I'm sitting there watching Channel 5's news, and there it is. Mm-hmm. They're on the air. Ruined my whole weekend. <laughs> Ru- couldn't wait until 9 o'clock Monday morning when she got into work and call her. And she said, Tim, I'm sorry. We don't have that account anymore. Uh-huh. She had nothing to do with it. Uh-huh. But I, I, it, my, my, I'm going to tell you, I ruined, it ruined the whole weekend. So I want to talk about uh, mom. See, I go long here, so you're going. Oh my that's god, we've okay. already gone an hour, but we haven't even gotten into the because people want to hear you shit on me as a kid. I think that's what I think that's what people are tuning in for. I know it's, that's what Pete's waiting for. <laughs> um, but you know, my mom, your wife right. of uh, what are we looking at here? Forty five years, right? We're married forty five. Be forty six in March. Yeah. Um, to me, big time opposites. I think that would be a, absolutely a fair assessment, but God, you don't, I don't think we appreciate it. I don't know. I mean, I've never talked about this with Danny, Kevin or Mara, but I don't think we appreciated how much you guys really love each other until you get older. And then you have relationships of your own, you know, that, that, that what you guys have isn't just necessarily something that everybody That's has, true. even though you're opposites. And, and part of me goes, I don't know how she puts up with you. Right. Um, and then mom being how mom is with, um, I guess the way I would describe it is thorough and a lot of questions. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, which, you know, you know, uh, you know, is, is also right. different. <laughs> right. I think most of the time you're like, I don't care, Missy, you know, <laughs> or I don't care, mom, right. whatever. Right. You know, all right. these details and these you know, right. 50,000 word emails. On Christmas presents and shit, <laughs> that uh, that that, but yet you guys, I mean, still, I mean, I, I now I have a greater appreciation for what you you guys have than 
Because you don't know, because you don't know any better. When you're a kid, you don't know any better. That that not everybody grows up with that. Not everybody grows up with parents who truly love each other and support each other. That is that is un, that's probably uncommon, right? In the United States in in 2019 and in the 1980s when I, 90s when I was growing up. So with that said, um, you guys met at uh, at Channel 11 in what 72? 72. Okay. We got right. married in 74. And she was working in promotion. She there. was working in the promotion department. And uh, and, and I got to be honest, I mean, I'm taking a step back also. I mean, she was a very nice looking woman. And, you know, I kind of got what you got going on here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, I was, not, not tall. No. I don't know what your hair situation was then. Uh, thinning. All right. So we got that going. Right. Uh, so, you know, you're probably, you know, you're probably trying to hit a 30 foot putt here. I well, mean, this, is, this, I, isn't, this isn't a gimme. You know what? I always said, I even said it. At your bachelor party um, to your father-in-law, we overachieved. And I believe it. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. But I've always been an overachiever. Uh, sometimes I pinch myself to this day and say, hey, listen, I made a great seal. And people say, Missy, with you, when she had Kevin Klein and Joe Theismann and all these guys. And I go, yes. But you know yeah, what? That is true. There, there's, such a, there's such a thing as a pity sale. Yeah. I made a pity sale. <laughs> she felt sorry for me. And so anyway, uh, you know, Tim, again, uh, you look back at your life, and uh, and I haven't done that much, but today is a day that I'm looking back, and I'd say, listen, I was blessed again with a great woman, great wife, and a great mother. Yeah. Uh, and those are things that you, you I, I don't think you can ever take for granted. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were really, we were young, and, and um, I was 26 when mom was uh, 24 when we got married. Uh, went on our honeymoon to Hilton Head, South Carolina. And I said to her, listen, let me tell you something. I think this place is going to be really special. There wasn't much going on there. They did have the golf tournament going on back then. But I said, Missy, this is, I think this would be a great place. I said, someday, someday I'm going to buy a place here. Well, it took me from 1974 to 2004, right? 2004. We've had that place for 15 years now. And, and, uh, it was just, it's one of those things, you gotta have goals in life. You gotta make them achievable. Um, and I've been lucky enough to go to sales seminars and, and things where people say, make your goals achievable. Don't just say, listen, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a left-handed batter and all of the home runs I want you hitting are in left field, it's not gonna work. Or hey, listen, you know, uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna bill a hundred thousand dollars a month on on KFNS radio if you do what I ask you to do. It's not right. logical. It's right. not gonna happen. Right. So uh, you're right. I think Mom and I complement one another. You know, uh, and and she's a great gal. And you were intense in the in the eighties, and I feel like you're a different guy now. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I think so. I think uh, I've mellowed a little bit. Was that was that the stress of work? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I uh, like Danny said, Dad. You know, and Danny, as you know, sells the Channel Four, and he goes, "It's hard. It's tough." And and I could tell on sa- Sunday night, he said that you um, your personality would change. Yeah, because your uniform is all clean and shiny over the weekend, and Monday morning it starts getting dirty again because then you're in the game. Yeah. Again. So I think one of the reasons why I do what I am doing and have done, and it's a byproduct of I just wanted to be around the Cardinals. I think that's really what it got down to, but is uh, that there aren't 
many, there have not been since we started this radio show in 2004, too many Sundays. I might be able to count them on one hand. Well, 2007, it would have been every single week. But minus 2007, the, the first six months in 2007, I, it, it, it's not that I necessarily, I can't wait to get up at five in the morning. I, I, I mean, once I get in there at seven o'clock, I'm going to look forward to it. You know, and what a lucky thing. I mean, that's an it's incredibly lucky thing. And so when I talk to people, because a lot of times we'll have people, younger people, who feel like working it inside STL or working with, with this show, Pete would be a perfect example, actually. I think we talked about it when Pete was interviewing. You can't put a dollar value on not dreading the next five days on totally, Sunday night. Totally agree. You know? Totally agree. I think there's something to be said for that. Um, and for you, you were just hungry, I feel like, you know? Well, as you know, Tim, in this business, the players change. I was really, I've had tremendous guys to work for through the years. Uh, my last boss was at, uh, it was at KPLR TV. Uh, Everybody else, I never had a boss. I didn't have a boss uh, when I had the laundromat. I didn't have a boss right. when I had Greg Marisak. I didn't have a boss uh, when I was working with you. Uh, I I think that if there's there's peaks and valleys when you have people that you're working for, and uh, if if you're not uh, attuned to what they're all about then it becomes a job right. and, but sales is always bottom line. You know, uh, I mean, we, we did so many different things all the time. What I was doing now in retrospect compared to what we were doing at KFNS radio is I was selling radio with pictures at KPLR TV. Yeah. Yeah. So when I came here, that's why we were successful. I was really selling radio. I wasn't selling television. Right. Right. Um, so you and mom get married in 74, uh, and you have me in 76. I, when, when Jameson was born, my son Jameson was born in 2017, I made it a point to type out the details from that day, which, cause I have a weird memory that kind of in the moment would go, oh, I'll remember all this. But then I've gone back and read it since. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about that. 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 Uh, what do you remember about that? Uh, that day? when you were born? Yeah, can you remember anything? Yeah, I can remember. Two years ago, forty-three years ago. I can remember that it was a very, very, very difficult delivery. But I think it was almost twenty-four hours. Um, I think uh, the 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 thing, and and I've I always wanted to have a son. My first child. I knew we'd have more than one. Uh, I thought, uh, and uh, I I thought it was great. Uh, I didn't make, even though everybody thinks you're a junior and it makes it easy, uh, I think everybody should have their own identity. Uh, so you weren't a junior. Different uh, middle names. Causes uh, yeah, confusion. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, uh, it's a middle name thing. So anyway, uh, I was tickled. I was excited. Uh, you know, I had you uh, with a two liter seven up plastic bottle. I had you hitting paper wads. And yeah, how old can, was that when that was going on? I think you were pushing two. Okay, because Jameson's doing that kind of yeah. that stuff. Seems, right. seems to love baseball, which I kind of these days, I don't know if kids are really going to like baseball, you know, and I certainly haven't. It's kind of one of those things. If he likes something, then great. If he doesn't, then we're Absolutely. Not, you know, I'm not. Play it all if you can. Right. Yeah. You know, Until you find something you really right. like. But for whatever reason, 
I mean, what went on with me and you, and I guess what would have been 78, 79, has indirectly led to this radio show because if I don't fall in love with the Cardinals like I did, then I don't pursue the journalism school at Missouri. All which was a complete mistake, by the way, because I thought that's where I would learn to be a play-by-play guy, and it's newscasting. So, I, you know, two years in, I'm going, oh, my God, I'm in in the wrong place in the wrong school, and I should have gone, who knows? I don't even know if there's a school for it. Uh, where you learn to be a play-by-play guy, and all of a sudden I'm anchoring television news, and I'm like, I have zero interest in this, but this is what I'm doing, and I guess it's going okay, but I don't right. really care for it. So then I get into radio, but but I fell in love with the Cardinals, and I don't really remember you being like a passionate sports fan. Notre Dame. Notre Dame football. That's what I feel like you care most of. I don't really feel like you ever were as emotionally invested as I certainly have been in like the success of the Cardinals, or if you were, it was because it would tie to your ability to sell the advertising or the blues. Well, the thing is, um, I was really tied in to the Cardinals uh, when Mike Shannon was playing. Mm -hmm. Red Shandies was uh, the manager because I knew of these guys. They were local guys, you know, and things like that. And, and uh, Red was our neighbor. Uh, in fact, he was the first gentleman to come over to our house the day after my father died uh, to say he was so sorry and to grab my sister Maureen and say, I know your daddy's gone now, but if you ever need a daddy, I'm here for you. Oh, wow. Red Shaning said Red, that? To, to Maureen, yeah. Wow. Uh, and Never so these are these are things that kind of made me, you know, I was, I was, I always sit there, mom will always say, your dad will be home in a few minutes because the first pitch is in a few minutes, and I would pull up in front of the house. Really? Oh, so Absol- then you did watch. Absolutely, okay, so I watched I every. I got into yeah, it. I watched every game. I remember going to like I mean you know it's not my first my first memory is you guys bringing Danny home March of '79, so I'm two and a half. Right. Uh, which I don't know if that's early or late for a first memory. Right, I have no I idea. Think. Okay, but my favorite thing, and I guess I wasn't six yet, was when I went to my first Cardinal game with you and mom, and I thought that was just the greatest thing ever. I mean, I still think of that as the greatest thing ever. It was August of 82, and I think you came home, I think I was playing wiffle ball in the front yard on Vienna, and with Mike Hutchinson, and and I think you came home and said, I've got tickets for the game, and we're going to the game, and I was so excited. Wow. But having not gone, and then I don't really remember anything about the Cardinals pre-August of 82 that I don't know how or why I was so excited about it. But obviously I cared because I remember being right. so excited. And then I remember going to the game and being like, I remember mom saying, all right, you stand here. And then Daryl Porter will look <laughs> right. like Daryl Porter's a catcher at World Series MVP in two months. Daryl Porter will be standing right next to you. And, you're, and in my mind, it's so magical. The whole thing is so magical that somehow Daryl Porter is actually going to be standing next to me. What she meant was yeah. he's going to be in the background right. of the batter's box right. and I will be standing there. Right. I remember getting the hamburger and I thought the hamburger was incredible. I wouldn't eat a hamburger there right now if you gave me $1,000. But I remember then <laughs> I I thought it was the greatest hamburger ever. Oh, yeah. And that night, uh, Lonnie Smith, do you remember this? He yeah. Inside the park home run. Yep. Because Jeffrey Leonard, who became famous later for the one flap down in the 87 right. LCS, the Giants are wearing these orange uniforms, I think with white pants, and that ballpark was so big, you know, Huge. a lot of people could have gotten it inside the park home run. But Lonnie Smith's fast, his helmet would fly off, and he was rounding the bases. And as he's rounding the bases, you're saying, I've never seen this before. And inside the park home right. run, 
The next day, Glenn Brummer stole home. I right. Know you knew that that was the chronology. No, I didn't know. No. Yeah, they played nope. the Giants on Saturday night. That was my first game. Brummer steals home the next day. And then in two months, they win the World Series. And I think if I go to the game and it's some, you know, crappy game, and if they're just, you know, whatever, having kind of a middling year, I don't know if I ever get into the Cardinals as much as I did. But that's what I wound up. That's that it became. It's like a gambler who wins right. his first bet. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and and so I was so into it. And I remember when they would be on the West Coast, you would write like a thing, like a note as to what happened in the game, whether or not they won or lost, and like left it in my sock drawer. Oh, wow. You remember this? No. Oh, my God. No, I don't remember I that. I remember it then. Wow. Uh, but, but, uh, and you sure I, it was me? <laughs> yeah, maybe it was, maybe it was the neighbor who mom put Yeah, the really. Uh, and, and, and I, I would remember waking up and I'd have this like anxiety as I walked over to the sock drawer, like, did they win or did they lose? Dead serious. You know, I mean, I was that into wow. it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and so like the 85 world series, I can remember when that shit happened in game six, his mom wouldn't watch. She'd be walking around outside. That stuff still goes on, right? Still goes on. She can't watch. Will not watch. <laughs> can't watch. Man. Jack Pendleton. Yeah. Uh, was uh, overwatching it when that happened. Um, you know, I'm talking about the blown call and, and everything. So, you know, that disaster. My mom saying walking up and down the street, you could hear people screaming when, when Denkinger blew the call. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Then, uh, Brutal. 87, I remember watching with you and the Cardinals lost to the Twins. <clears throat> I remember, you know, being this huge Notre Dame fan that you are. The, for Notre Dame fans, you say phantom clip, and they know exactly if they're old enough. They know oh, exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Rocket yeah. Ishmael yeah. against Colorado. Yeah. That was brutal. <laughs> there we go. Now, that see, was this, brutal. This is what you really care about. I was having a good day until you brought that yeah, up. See, now we're going to get going because I, I, I know <laughs> that's what you really care about. Yeah. Um, and I remember you screaming and screaming. Like, you're so excited to see <laughs> God, nobody oh, can scream. Brutal. Still to this day, I don't scream like that. Uh, as he's returning that thing, and then it gets called back. I mean, holy shit. So we experienced the, thinking the Cardinals are going to win the World Series together in 85, thinking Notre Dame. I don't know if Notre Dame would have won the World National Championship that year, but they would have beaten Colorado. I think yeah. it was the Orange Bowl yeah. in 90 on the Phantom Clip, as it's called. Same year that Missouri had the fifth down, I think, for that matter. Um, so I remember those things. But, but as far as my intensity on sports, I don't feel like you mimic that. And then my intensity playing... I don't know where I got that from, but I definitely had it. And then Danny was a was a much better athlete. I don't think that's even up for debate. But I don't think he had the same intensity. No, he's that, a low key guy. Yeah, he's the kind yeah. of guy he's, at the scores. If, if, if you say one of the four doesn't fit, wouldn't it be Danny? Right? Am I right on that? Yeah, Mara is intense. Well, I know. Yeah, and Kevin is yeah. too. I feel yes. like me and Kevin yes. have a lot more yes. in common. Yeah, yeah. I think he, uh, out of all of them, Kevin is uh, or Danny is a Smith. Uh, yeah, because mom's, mom's low key, name, low right. key, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and and Danny's the kind of guy that scores 77, uh, 70 to seventy uh, with a second to go. You want him at the free throw line, right? Well, he's he just not city, gonna... He won a city championship at the buzzer, didn't he? <laughs> right. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I remember, I remember seeing that. Yeah, you know, and I couldn't have been more happy. Yeah, with his brother, absolutely. And and for him. I think he's just like, all right, you know. I, I mean, right. I, the basket's there. It's a layup. What else am I going to do? Right. You know? No, it's <laughs> right. You know. It was great. I still tell a story of how I almost did a half-court shot in, like, the quarterfinals, <laughs> and I didn't, and I tell the story. Right. He won. The, he actually won the championship yeah. game at the buzzer. Yes. It's kind of like, oh, that's what I did. Yes. 
you know. And I ran down there because I knew all those kids because they played soccer on the soccer team that I coached. And uh, I ran down there and I said, Dan, God, you'll remember this day the rest of your life. And he looked at me. I'll never forget. And he goes, Dad, can I get a Coke? <laughs> I'm going, my God. Yeah, you can have the stadium you want it, Dan, you know. Unbelievable. Oh, uh, and, you know, so sports are a huge part of my life. And I honestly went to St. Louis U High. And I don't know if this speaks to you and mom encouraging us to pursue anything or if you're just like, this guy's so delusional, we're not going to ruin it for him. Honestly thinking I was going to play for the Cardinals. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know I mean, that. I know it, that. It wasn't until I got I know. my freshman year. But even then, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure I make the team my sophomore year, which I did. Yes. Uh, and still thinking, okay, well, then that's good. Now I made the team, so now I can still play for the card. I mean, I'm, 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 at the, absolutely. I'm 15 at this yeah, point. I mean, absolutely. I'm like, okay, that's that's nuts. No. I, but I, I thought that. I believe you. Know? Yeah, yes. Well, I know. Yeah, I, mean, I believe kinda, you did believe crazy. that. Absolutely. But I do remember, and, I, and I'll tell people this, and I may have mentioned it on the radio in the past, but the reason why once I got cut my junior year, then it's like, okay, this pro this might not work out. This whole Cardinal right, thing at this right. point, maybe we need to plan right. and call an audible. Is I remember watching Lou Holtz, who, of course, you you know, you worshipped as the head coach of Notre Dame. And for, I don't know why he was talking about this at a press conference, but his press conferences were always so random. I remember him saying, and this is at a press conference, not like an interview. He says, find something you love to do and find somebody dumb enough to pay you to do it. And I've lived by that. I really That's have. A, and I don't know why. It's a great line. But, but I mean, it was, but it was like at a press conference getting ready for like some shitbag team where he probably was acting, you know, they could beat us, you know, and there's like 40 point favorites. And, uh, and that for whatever reason that stuck with me, I think it's because I was working at Pietro's bussing tables and I hated it so much, uh, that I thought to myself, I can't, I can't get in this spot the rest of my life where I'm working for people who I know aren't more intelligent, you know, and, and, and don't necessarily have, you know, and that comes off. I know that I realize that comes off the wrong way, but I mean, they were, they weren't really real kind either. They weren't real happy. And I thought, this is awful. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got to get in a spot where, you know, I don't deal with this in my life on a day-to-day -day basis. And I'm, I, I think you had me working at like 15. What was that about? I, I just think, Timmy, back I mean, I guess maybe it worked out because it instilled work ethic, but God, I hated it. And it was right. tough enough being, you know, it, at that time, and I don't know if it's different now, but being from our neighborhood where there weren't a lot of people from our neighborhood going to St. Louis U High, and then when the weekend rolls around, they're all excited. And the weekend rolls around, I'm like, I'm going to go bust tables and kind of be treated like an asshole, you know, to make like 20 bucks. I think know. it was part of growing up and part of the um, the thing that you got out of that, too. Uh, but, I mean, was that the thought process? I, I mean, think a lot of it is in the independence and, and saying, hey, listen, you got to know what it takes to make a living and, and what you have to do. And, and uh, you know, you, I know you don't want to do this the rest of your life, and hopefully you won't. But if you do, hey, this is what it is. Um, I think that, you know, uh, a, a lot of what we did was to put you guys in a position where you can really reflect, reflect back like you are today. Uh, Danny worked there. Uh, Kevin worked at Favazas. Uh, Mara, I don't know if Mara worked, but she got some money when she was at St. Louis University because of soccer. Right. Um, but, you know, I just think that, you know, you, you say, do you, do you, do you think uh, having somebody say, you know, you're dead, these guys, that's nice to hear. But the legacy for any parent is looking at your kids. Yeah. 
You know, I, I always tell people, like, well, all your kids live in St. Louis, Tim? I said, yeah, we must have did something wrong. Nobody left. <laughs> you know, kiddingly. I mean, uh, I feel very proud of what you've achieved and Danny's achieved and Kevin's achieved and Mara's achieved. And I always tell people, let, let me tell you something. Nobody's knocking on the door uh, to ask for anything. Uh, you know, uh, you were instilled uh, a, a good work ethic. I think we instilled that in, with our kids. I think uh, you you all did well in school. Uh, you all have, uh, you know, good um, good family life. That's what it's all about. I mean, you know, uh, you know. Now that mom hates when I say this. Now that both of us are on the back nine, uh, you look at what you've done in life, and hey, it's great that I. I did this and I did that work-wise. Hey, that's part of my, that was part of my life. I had to do that. But I think if you have good kids and you have a good spouse and you have, uh, uh, you, it's the end result of all the sacrifices you guys are starting to learn that you do. I mean, uh, mom and I went out to dinner Thursday, Friday, Saturday this year, this week, this past weekend. But we never went out. You guys know we never went out. We didn't have anybody necessarily babysitting all right. the time. We were there, you know, but we were sacrificing. And and so when the 27th of December rolls around, you know, I want to be in Hilton. I want to yeah. be in South Carolina. I want to be, you know, uh, enjoying the bowl games. Yeah. I want to, that's part of my life now. I kind of I like that you don't fall all over the grandkids. <laughs> which I know might sound weird, but I like, I, I, because, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I love them. You I, know, I, I love them. Of course, them. I know you do. I mean, God, nobody asks about Jameson more than you do. <laughs> but I like that it's not like, you know, like if you if, like if you had it your way, I know you'd be in Hilton Head, like you'd live there, I think, permanently, actually. I would be there more. You're right. You I know? would and, be and there I, more. And I like, because it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, you did it. You, you raised four kids, you know, and, and one of them was born, you know, after you had already been raising one for 13 years. And never thought anything of it. What do you mean? Never, never, ever ever thought oh my gosh what are we doing here now never what no, with mara oh. mara was born i thought hey listen this is great and one thing uh your grandmother my mother said to me is tim she's gonna keep you young and and you know what i never even thought of it that way but i'm out there with guys that are half my age almost watching kids play soccer and yeah. stuff like that i mean hey it was great. We yeah. had a great life with her because she played club sports and we yeah, were I mean, traveling. She was a hell of a, I don't know. If you, if you, if you asked me who was a better athlete, I don't know. Morrow in soccer was unbelievable. Well, she played Division One. I, I mean, yeah. so you know, she had to be something. Yeah. You know? I mean, she, but I loved watching her play. Yeah, you she know, was she was very that good team athlete. was good. She and they won a state athlete. championship. Right. Or co state championship because they didn't right. have penalty kicks, right? And right. That, they that, didn't do co penalty kicks. Right. But they do it now, right? They yes, do they do kick. now. And she was all state, was she not? All state. Um, and then so so going going through each child, so with with me, I think mom has convinced herself that I'm playing a character on the radio. I think that's how she is able to listen to the radio show. That like all the weird shit that I say, oh well, he's just playing a character. You know, I think that she, I think that's how mom survives right. listening to the, the morning show. Right. I, I think that's I think <laughs> right. that's it. Uh, what about Danny? Because we're certainly different. I mean, not just like with the height thing, but but like you were saying, personality-wise, uh, more laid back. How would you? But a great, but an incredible athlete, 
great father, loves his daughters loves like his nobody daughters. business. Um, Couldn't be a better father with daughters than Danny. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. He's a great father with daughters. Uh, you know, I think Danny is a uh, he's a hardworking guy. He's the kind of guy in our profession that I would love to have in the sales force, you know, working with me. Uh, I always said working with me. Nobody worked for me. Work with me. Uh, you know, uh, even Keel knows how to roll with the punches and you have to know how to roll with the punches with accounts and things like that. Uh, I think Danny is just a, a different type of guy. He just is. And for, and he's a good guy. Yeah. Great maybe, guy. maybe in a good way though. In a great way. In a great way. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the biggest surprise out of the four is Kevin, uh, because Kevin has done things that I never thought Kevin would do. I always thought Kevin would be an outstanding teacher, and he is. Kevin teaches at St. Louis U High, and he founded and owns the Improv Shop. Right. Um, which is now 10 years old. And when he was teaching at uh, Loyola Academy in Chicago, he got more involved. I uh, got involved at Indiana University with improvisational comedy, but really got involved also and always had the dream of opening up an improvisational comedy theater here in St. Louis and coming back to St. Louis to do improv and to teach at St. Louis UI. That's what he really wanted to do. The thing, the thing is that Kevin and I share is that both of us got into our careers for the love of the game. Right. Never. I never thought about money. Nobody ever said anything to me. You, right. you knew about the media side of it. Right. But I never knew that you don't usually make a lot of money as an on-air person in in this business. And I guess when I was coming up, maybe that was still going on sort of in television. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't going to school to be a talk show. I mean, you could, you know, Doug always says, like, you could have a preschool education and do what we do. But uh, I, I, I wanted to call Cardinal Games, just like 300,000 other guys and right. women in St. Louis. You know, Jack Buck is who you worship. That's what I wanted to do. Right. Um, and Kevin, I don't think Kevin started the improv shop with like a business model, some pro forma of what it's going to do. I think he thought that there was a, there wasn't one in town and he had a background from being in Chicago where there's of course, second city where he worked and, and then, and and then he was improv, you know, an improv at Indiana university. So he knew it, but I don't think he ever, you know, to his credit. I mean, that's the thing I admire. I I always thought with Kevin, I admire what he's done. You know, and if, hey, if somebody starts a business to make money, God bless them. If anything, that might be the right, that probably is the right reason to do it. But he did it, and he's then found ways to monetize it and turn it into what it is. I mean, God bless him. I have a great deal of respect for that because he did it for the love of the game. But, I mean, if you start a business and you go, I'm going to make money on this, even though I don't really like it. But he good. traveled to him to find out how to put together that business. Right. He went to North Carolina University and sat down with people that were involved in improv and stuff like that, how to put a business model together. He spent money uh, to to get a business model put together down to St. Louis University. Um, you know, he he is very focused and and loves again loves what he does. He loves teaching at St. Louis U High. He loves that school like you did, um, and uh, he loves being there. And they love him knock on wood. Uh, and so I, he's, he is out of the four that I would think would be out of the box and does well is Kevin. 
I don't. I never thought of him being an entrepreneur, and he is an entrepreneur. So, like, you're so, surprised by what he? Yes, said. really. Interesting. Yes. What do you I think be, he was going to do? This is interesting. I think he'd be a teacher. He'd be yeah. happy. Uh, you know, uh, making the money he's making at St. Louis U High, and and uh, I think he is really now focused on doing things different. He loves the people that work for him at the improv. Yeah. He kind of has the same thing we have with our radio audience. Like they love that. They right. absolutely love it. And it's like its own little family. That's, that's exactly, what he has at that's the what improv he's got. Shop. He's yeah. got a cover. He's got people that come down there. They love the bar. They love the food. They, they love their shows. They, and most importantly, he's got the people that work for him there that are there because they love it. Mm-hmm. They love it. They're, you know, they're surely not there for the monetary part of it. They're there because they are dedicated to that, to that program down there. Uh, and, and hats off to him. He's always looking for something to invest in. Yeah. Always. He's yeah. not done. He yeah. wants to buy something. No, I know. Else. I mean, he's, I, I just, what I'm saying, I just have a great deal of admiration. I have an admiration for Danny as a, as a father. Right. And for Kevin, for, you know, taking something out of thin air and creating something. Right. I mean, that just, even if it didn't work though, I respect the, the courage it takes to take the chance. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because a lot and of people sit, a lot of sit in a cubicle and then they go, oh, I'm 60 and shit, I wish I would have done it. Absolutely. You know? So no, God, I'm God bless them for it. I'm with you. And even if it doesn't work out, because man, for every one that wins, there's probably five that don't. Right. Uh, and then you have, uh, as we were talking about earlier, what was a surprise in 1990 when you're 40, almost 43. Right. When Mara was born. Right. And so you still, you're kind of not really done because if you have a daughter... As a, I mean, I've still got kid. one. I've still got more something coming down. Hopefully someday. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, Mara, like I said, I mean, I remember going. You know, do you want to go to Mara soccer? I'm like, why would I want to go watch girls' high school soccer? I mean, what in the hell? And then I go, and I'm like, this is like watching like a machine. Her her soccer high school soccer yeah. team, which like I said, won won a state championship, and watching her play. And I remember like if there were a lo- there was a loose ball. And she had to run, and she was going after it with somebody else. She was going to win. I mean, she was so, so fast. Fast. She was fast. God almighty. Very fast. Yeah. And also incredibly intelligent. Right. Yeah. Yes. And Dick Westbrook, which is the coach of the Visitation, Visitation Academy, um, he uh, he had a lot to do with her success. As Mara was kind of like Danny uh, out there, very uh, not a selfish player. One time she passed off, and he took her out of the game and said, don't you ever – pass that ball again you take that shot mara you take that shot you know so anyway uh again uh different personalities uh but i think me kevin and mara have the most like all the intensity i agree okay i agree on the same page absolutely yeah. yeah and mara yeah. is uh intense and made a job change and is doing very very well and and uh but again she's low-key at that job but she's driven. They give her opportunities to change things, and she changes them, and um, and she's she's done well. Um, all right, some uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. Okay. Um, what do you feel like you know now that you didn't know when you were twenty? Because I feel like, and the reason I ask, I, I I'll ask anybody who comes in there that this question, but I feel like. And I've told Anna Marie this. I said, I feel like my dad is not necessarily a different guy now so much as some of the stuff that you say now is more about enjoying your life as opposed to going, oh, you have a chance to go make this this more. 
I remember I, I was cause like when we were talking about me doing six to seven leading into TMA, I figured you'd be like, oh yeah, absolutely. And you're probably like, I can sell that. And then going, well, you know, I don't know. Uh, you gotta be, you gotta be there for Jameson. That's the most important thing. Well, I, I think Tim, not that I can't be for, but, but then it's going to, I'll be spread a lot more thin by getting up early and then still having to do things after the show. But I mean, that's, that's one example. My point is you're all about at this point now trying to enjoy life perhaps more than when you were you know, yeah, charging I mean, the hill like you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think at 20 years old, 21, 22, just starting out in a career that I wanted to do well in, I really wanted to be successful because I enjoyed it. I loved being around that television station. I loved being out there um, amongst people and and uh, and and being part of something uh, that I thought was unique. Um, you know, uh, that station signed on in 1959. Uh, so uh, at 1965, it's only six years old. Um, the fellow that was in the mailroom before me was a gentleman named Jim Corno, who did really, really well. Became a multimillionaire working with the Post out of say, uh, out of Chicago. Built their sports uh, programs and everything else there. Uh, uh, and and reflecting back, yeah, I'm not as intense as I used to be because, you know, it's it's not the game anymore for me. Uh, I don't have to go out and and work hard today so I can pay my gas bill. I don't have to do that because I've. I've been lucky enough to make some pretty decent investments through the years. Uh, you know, uh, I, I want to make sure if anything ever happens to me, mom's taking care of that. She doesn't have to worry about anything. That's something that I was thinking about when I was 20, 22 years old. I want to make sure I got you guys educated and, and had a nice life. Uh, that was a priority when I was in my twenties and thirties and even with my forties with Mara. Um, so the intensity level when you don't know what you're going to make is you're always up. I mean, there's so many times Tim, uh, Danny and I'll say, Oh, I'm going to take so-and-so out to lunch tomorrow. Oh, you can't believe sitting there knowing you're going to pay for this guy's lunch or this lady's lunch. And you really don't want to be there with them. But these are things that you do in sales and you smile and you say, that's great and blah, blah, blah. I don't have to be necessarily up all the time anymore. Uh, I love my life the way it is right now. I love what's going on in my life. I love that I, I, uh, your mom and I are going to have everybody over for Christmas. She loves that. Uh, the grandkids will be there. Uh, she loves that. Uh, you know, and two days after that, we're gone. And, <laughs> you and, love, you and love I that. love that. <laughs> and, and so, and, 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 you know, I think we all have sacrificed to do what we've done in life. Uh, I feel like I've been somewhat successful in what I've been able to achieve. And, uh, and I thank, thank God for where I am right now in life. I really do. All right. Well, I thought for sure we would both weep during this, and it never happened. Pete, Pete, did you ever start crying? No, because we didn't. Because no, we didn't bring up the blue Stanley <laughs> Cup. Pete immediately goes to tears. We bring up the blue that's Stanley funny. Cup. It never, it never happened. That's great. Well, Dad, uh, this, this was. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank I appreciate you so much the time. For in. I love you. I love you, Tim. And uh, Pete, I love you. I love you too, Pete. Now you're crying. Now, now I can end. My dad loves you as well. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I feel like this should real like a sales seminar. Actually, that's that's, that's more. I mean, there, I think there was a lot in there for salespeople. Actually, well, um, but uh, I thank you so much for coming in. You. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. So there it is. 
Timothy J. McKernan with me and Gangster Pete. Gangster Pete, you got love right there at the end as well. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Probably weren't expecting it. I was it. not expecting it. You that, were not expecting it, it but it there it was. It made me feel good. You received love right there at the end of the interview. Um, I honestly thought, as I said going into it, I said, I don't want to do the interview because I think we're both going to wind up weeping. I've seen my dad, when speaking publicly about his family, break down, I don't want to say a lot, but it's, you know, it, it, I've seen it a decent number of times. And so I didn't really want to do that to him. And I thought it was kind of a, a given that it would happen. And then I'd start crying and it'd be a whole thing. And some people might really like that. Uh, some people might be like, okay, you know, but I mean, that's what I, that's truly what I thought was going to happen. And it, it didn't happen. And it didn't even come close to happening. I don't think, which I would have bet on that all day long that that was going to happen. So I guess that just shows he can turn on the professional and separate the personal and, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's Brenda throughout his career, um, which surprised me. Anything to you, Pete? I mean, you're sitting here, you're watching a father and son have a conversation. Anything stand out to you? Because I know you are very close to your foot. Yeah, I, I believe is the root of when you get emotional with the blues stuff because you think your dad, that's what I think's going yeah, on. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, well, I was just sitting there the whole time. I was thinking, man, this is really cool. I'd like to do this with my dad. Uh, you ought to do it. I th I, yeah, I think I will. All right, and then uh, also, I thought he had some really good business lessons. Yeah. And then it was cool how he kind of did what he realized that he needed to do stuff that made him happy. And he said he could always make money when he needed to. I yeah, that, that was, really was kind of like, but he always felt that way. Because I guess in sales, you know, this isn't the side of the business I'm on, but, you know, people have accounts pulled because new people come in, they got to give them accounts. And I'd be like, man, that would have to piss you off. He goes, no, because then I just go out and I'd get nothing, I'd get new business and then I get a higher commission on the new business than I would on the ones that I would hold on to. And I go, oh, well, that's good. That just shows that you have confidence in your ability to move product, which is why he, you know, is so successful with it. So uh, plus it's the personality. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, I, I don't know if I, I don't know. I was driving home from the interview and I felt like maybe I needed to delve more into the family element of it than the business element of it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what people wanted to hear. I have no idea. People said you should interview your dad. Um, but the family stuff to me, and this is my reasoning, is, is private. You know, I mean, if he wants to talk about me as a, as a person who's a perceived public figure, that's one thing. But if he starts talking about getting into my brother my other brother or my sister. I mean, they're not, they're not on, they don't do radio shows. So that's, that's private. Um, so I kind of tried to keep it at a surface level thing. So maybe if we would have gotten deeper into that, then he would have been more. I thought you were trying to avoid getting emotional. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. I, Cause I just, I figured that was going to happen. I didn't, right. I, I didn't, I didn't think it was even going to, I mean, I didn't even had a choice. I just figured it was going to happen. But I, but I, but I, I, you know, you can't, you can't have him in and then not talk about his other three children. Right. Um, all of whom I don't think there's any doubt if there were a secret poll conducted amongst our family, all of whom would have a higher likable rating than me inside the family. There's not a doubt in my mind on that, that I am sixth. Uh, there's not, and, and by the way, deservedly so. Um, but you know, they're not in a position where they're, you know, the audience knows who they, I mean, they may know who they are, might know one of my brothers or sister, but, um, you know, they don't do a show. So they they shouldn't be exposed to like having their lives put out there. I'd say that's how I view that stuff. 
Um, like if my dad is comfortable talking about something about him, then he can do that. If he wants to talk about, you know, that element, that's fine. But like getting in that, so that was about, that was part of it. Um, but yeah, I thought for sure there was going to be weeping and there was, there was never any weeping, but I'm so grateful now that no matter what, I will always be able to play that for myself and for my son and for my brother's kids. Um, and that's kind of the, the thought process on it. Cause if I wouldn't have done it, I'd regret it. And that is essentially the, the, the summary. I, if I wouldn't have done it, I would have regretted it. So I didn't want to regret it. Um, so it's the fear of regret is what it was. And I'm glad I did it. And once we started going, I'm like, yeah, this is, this is a great thing. And he was excited to do it. And so now we've got that. We've got that story. It's some things I didn't know, as I said. Uh, so thank you to those of you who not only recommended it, but who, um, who, again, politely explained why I should do it or at least something I should consider when deciding whether or not to do it. Let me put it that way, because who's in a position to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't do? But, you know, something you should consider if you're debating whether or not to do it is you might come to a point where you really wish you would have done it and think about that. Now you can do it. Think about, you know, down the road where that, that might not necessarily be an option. Um, and that's, that's what, uh, that's, that's what, that's what, that's what led to this today. So, uh, grateful to the audience, especially on this one. Um, hopefully people, uh, got a, got an idea. You know, they hear me, hear us talk about my dad or the cat and Doug really more talk about my dad, but, um, you know, I think, I think you get a sense for, uh, why he has been successful in sales from, from hearing him tell his story and how he would lead a sales staff. So thank you to gangster Pete. Thank you to Iggy. Thank you to my father, of course. And thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Ryan Kelly. Thank you to James Carlton. Thank you to Mark Hanna. Thank you to Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Chevy Fine New Roads. And thank you to Seth Gold Camp Design Air Heating and Cooling, the number one train dealer in the Northwest Design Air Service.com. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studio. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.